fight for blankies, blankies, blankies. Who will win? Oh, you know, we got five bloods. Five bloods. You got a mank, mank. Make about the script you got right. <laughs> I got it. Minare. Oh. Minare. Oh. <laughs> what? <laughs> Give me just one night. Oh. In Miami. Marini. Marini with the black bottom. <laughs> Any way you tan it, that's the way you need it. Any way you tan it. Listen, I, I didn't watch most of these fucking movies. He's still got it. He's still got it. That's what I'm saying. I I would say that uh, uh, I, I, to say I'm at my wits end uh, w- would be false. I probably reached my wits end like three months ago. Sure. And I'm yeah, not look far behind you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Past, yeah. past that point. In in November, I was very confident. I wrote down all these movies and I looked up song titles that felt like I could work them in. And then I just I just never did the work. No, you didn't watch them. So that's your very uh, crystal 2011 kind of a place. 2012. No, but also, whatever the, uh... look, I also just didn't look up the song lyrics for most of these. Uh, mm. here, here's an example of something I did. I wrote Nomadland equals no man's land billy joel i don't know how that sure. fucking song yeah goes. i don't know how that song okay goes. i never Neither even I. Li- I never even listened to that song i mean you know you could have but you, you didn't have to personal responsibility you know it's is the name of the game this year right everyone's got to just take care of themselves yeah i mean look i thought i thought at some point in november oh it would be funny to do a parody song for the father Based around Alan Sherman's Hello Mudda, Hello Fada. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that's exactly how far I got. You could do First Cow to the tune of Last Dance. Yeah. If you I were mean, feeling should, very yes, disco. Yes, Griffin, yes. The, the Hello Fada, Hello Mudda thing, that is something that Billy Crystal would have. 100%. There, there, there's yeah. no, there's no overlap there. You yeah. and Billy Crystal are a perfect circle yes. Venn diagram. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Here's the other notes I wrote down. News of the world. Part of your world? Works for me. News of the world. Yeah, right. like that. Okay. Uh, soul. Mm-hmm. Crank that soldier boy? Mm, that one, I think, maybe could use a second look. <laughs> I just want to say. Oh, you think that one could use a second look? <laughs> I, I think that one could use a pop. I feel like there's a lot of songs with, like, soul already in the title. That like I get like you want to well, like go I, a little I, further afield of like Soul Man or something. I wrote like alts. That my alt was or Soul Man by Sam yeah. and Dave, but yeah, that yeah, felt yeah. a little. Sure, that's that's no. easy. Right. But, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. You don't right. want to be lazy about this. You want to, you know. I'm a soul, comma man would probably be that. Right. You know, I'm right. a soul man dun, 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 in in a cat now. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. One night Miami, give me just one night, ninety eight degrees, or Miami Will Smith, or waiting for tonight, Jennifer. Look, this these were written in a in a in a more optimistic time. Wait, do you mean give me just one night? Parentheses una noche by ninety eight degrees because that would have been a flex as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that was the thought at the yeah. time. Look, this is the the twenty twenty one Blanky Award Ceremony for Excellence in Films. 
in 2020. Thank you for finally using the full title, by the way. We never we never do it. And also January of 2021 and also February of 2021, if we're going by the Oscars, which I don't think we are, but that's fine. I'm not, but, you know, yeah, to I'm each their either. own. Yeah. But but I mean, but also both of you guys are inarguably going to be, I would imagine, including movies that technically did not come out until 2021. Right. Sure. But I feel like that's the case every year. Right. We're like, there's always a few movies that like qualify under the yeah. gun at the yeah. end of the year and then release on their own time. Yeah. I just feel like this year is a slightly more extreme example. Um, I will say uh, I've been spiraling all week for any number of reasons, but <laughs> something about the uh, the marking a year since the last Blanky Awards, which was one of the last in-person records we ever did, yeah, and having true. to now uh, commemorate a pretty much a full year of not having movie-going culture, uh, mm. a year that has made me realize how much movie-going is part of my love of uh, dumb mm-hmm. movies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I found this uh, challenging, and I'll tell you in a moment what I decided to do to frame this in a way that my brain could handle. This mm-hmm. is, of course, uh, Blank Check with Griffin and David. I'm Griffin. I'm David. It's usually a... Podcasts about filmographies, directors who have massive success early on in their career and are given a series of blank checks, make whatever crazy passion projects they want. And sometimes those checks clear and sometimes they bounce baby. But once a year, we get to pick the winners, much like Siskel and Ebert wearing tuxes in Disney World and asking yes. people to <laughs> applaud for how good their taste is. Uh, next year, let's wear tuxes. Let's wear tuxes next right. year. I, okay? think, I think that's the mistake we've been making. Yeah. Um, now, uh, both of you work as film critics. Yeah. Eh. David, definitely. Uh, Me? Eh. I oh, write about right. movies sometimes. D- David Sims, of course, co-host of this podcast. Uh, mm. uh, our, our dear friend Joe Reed, a.k.a. Reading Rain Joe. I was hoping you'd say that. Is joining us for the fifth consecutive Lanky Awards. Is this the fifth or the sixth? It's the sixth. It's the sixth. Yeah. Wait, this is the sixth? Yeah. Wow, because this is starting he- our... Exactly. Year? Exactly. That's the wow. thing. It's starting our seventh year. Yeah. The the day we're recording this uh, is the day after the the sixth anniversary of our first episode being released. Correct. Happy anniversary, guys! A fine six years, if I do say so. Uh, now look, uh, this is a, a a silly thing of fun and games where we just get to have a nice time picking the things that we like, right? Um, yes. but I was looking at, at many things, uh, and one of them was my list of, uh, movies, a uh, little, little iPhone note that I keep every year when I transitioned out of keeping a text edit note. Right. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I watched 40 some odd new release films in 2020, which That's is not bad far and away the smallest number yes. I probably watched yeah. since mid single digits. Right. Right. Um, I truly, I mean, I dragged my dad to see a movie almost every single weekend, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and including things I rented on VHS and whatever in the 90s. I, I truly don't know the last time I watched this few new release movies. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, the things I had to watch for this podcast dominated my, my movie watching, sure. along with things okay. I had to watch for other people's podcasts and, and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. And also just me rewatching and uh, comfort watching shit and watching a lot more TV than I usually do. Right. I think largely because every time there was a real movie, quote unquote, that was available to stream at home, it depressed me that I 
My option was now watching it. That that's how you'd have to see it. You talked about this. I talked about this a lot. But I bring this up now because I avoided watching so many of the Oscar-y movies for Mm -hmm. as long as I could because I was just so bummed out by this reality. And then the second note is I just felt like I couldn't handle most of them. In one way Mm -hmm. or another, it's like it demands too much focus for me. It's dealing with a subject matter that I am just not at a, a mental strength to deal with or what have you. That I had this list that was like a mishmash of like the couple of Oscar movies I watched and a bunch of weird shit that I'm now upping to awards level because it's what I watched to get me through the year. And then it felt odd that I was even including the three or four Oscar movies I did watch and excluding the 10 to 12 that I did watch that I just decided, here's my blank awards for the year. I'm not nominating anything that was nominated for an Academy Award. It's all out. I it's love it. all. I love it. Out. Working without a net. Yeah. Here's my question. And I, this is just out of interest. What are the Oscar movies yeah. that you're kicking off the ballot? That's what I, I'm just, just out of pure interest. Like what David, are the few you saw? Yes. Almost everything. I mean, there's so many things I watch. Like I watched Mank, but I watched it probably in like five installments. I watched Mank mm. the way most people watch the Snyder Cut. Right. And I, I was about found to make a Snyder it Cut joke. never yes. really pulled me in, but I don't. I can't judge whether that's an objective issue with the movie or my opinion of it or anything. I could not fucking deal with Nomadland. I cannot believe that is the best picture front runner. There is Mm. no movie that touches on all the things that I'm already fucking freaking out about that society (laughs) has revealed in in this Mm. last year in terms of our priorities and lack thereof in how we fucking throw people out. Uh, like what else? I don't know. I, I, I mean, it's just like so many of them. I just, I just didn't even uh, uh try, you yeah. know, or watched half of, or watched in a bad form. And I just was like, you know what? I'm only including the fucking things that reached out and grabbed me from the small pool of the things I happened to watch, which is like comfort food getting elevated and the few movies that cut through for me that I was able to handle. Here's my question. Another yeah. question. Yeah. The Five Bloods, which is a movie I know you liked. Yeah. And we'll get into this. As we're going to start the categories in a second. Yeah. But that got nominated for one Oscar. Correct. Best score. Yeah. Does that kick it off your ballot? No. I decided if... Right. Uh, like a little yeah. bit, you, yeah. you're okay yeah. with. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm fine with a little bit. A little bit. But that's... Those are my rules. I get it, though. Like, it is... There was a... There was a, you know... A... a twinge of bummer to watching all of these movies at home every you know almost everything you'd rather watch in a theater for whatever reason i i think i part of it is also because like at the end of the year with oscar time i being a you know one of those cretins who gets screeners i'm more (laughs) used to just sort of like binging shit on screeners at the end of the year because that's how i got to get it done so Mm. it was less of a change for me to just be like well i'm just gonna watch whatever's on netflix and what's on you know hulu and then i have had a few transcendent at home viewing experiences this year but it is a few yeah is my opinion on this you're you're gonna hear that reflected in my top five movies of the year and then i have five other movies yeah because i'm looking at my top ten and two, three, four, four of them are movies I saw at home. Mm-hmm. Six of them are not. Um, nice. And then others in my top sort of 25-ish are movies. Yeah, it's mostly movies that I did not see at home. Or if I did see them at home, 
I just, I, you know, you have that thing where you're kind of like, well, I know how much this would have hit me. Yeah. You have to do the sort yeah. of like, yeah, the value add, you know, yeah. like, yeah. you know, even if you're like, you know what? I zoned out a little bit during this, but I know in that give give this thing its best circumstances it would have it would have worked even better for me maybe it can someday soon look yeah to get you know right i also found that like the eight movies i saw in theaters that were released in 2020 before theater shut down happened to make a big appearance in multiple categories Mm-hmm. Unsurprisingly, mm-hmm. those movies have lingered with me a little yeah. bit more. Mm-hmm. Perhaps yeah. are getting a big theatrical bump. Uh, you know, you guys had the benefit of getting to see a lot of these movies at festivals projected Correct. Uh, properly. Correct. Right. So um, uh, a lot of the things that ended up uh, playing big at the end of the year. Um, I also felt like things I watched earlier in the pandemic have hit harder for me and lingered harder for me versus now when I just like yeah. can't handle anything anymore. And I'm so depressed because like when I was watching shit go straight to Hulu and Netflix and VOD and whatever in May, I'd be like, Okay, but winter theater is going to be back to normal. September, mm. you know, and yeah. then to just have it be like, no, this is the full year just uh, depressed me to no end. But I just felt like if I'm going to nominate Eurovision in as many categories as I'm prepared to, I <laughs> don't want to have to constantly explain to people why 18 movies are left off in those categories. I don't categories. think you need to explain yeah, this I, is, at, at all. These but, are your but picks. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, these are Griff's picks. It's been a year. Yeah, it's, it's been, been a year. Capital A, uh, a capital year. Y year. Yes, yes. Um, I do think this year's Oscar nominations, if you just kind of like print them out on a piece of paper and you look at them, you're like, oh, these are all right. Oh, they they did an okay job. They've I think they're actually pretty good. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Right. But at the same time, I think this whole season has been a huge bummer. The fact yes. that the Oscars are still a month away. Insane. Yeah. Like, I'm like, what are we talking about anymore? Like, what? Like. Like what? What is? What is that? I know why they made the decision they made. I get why they did it, and, and I can't quibble with it, especially because when they made that decision, there were still holding out hope that, like, at some point, we're going to be able to release the studio movies of the year. Yes. Ah, West Side Story. We'll we'll we'll, right. we'll make Dude, some room for yeah, it. Yeah, like that it's, that's that's, that's yeah. not till the end of December. Surely by the end of December, because they made this decision in like June or whatever. Right. My my, I think their strategy was theaters will essentially return to normal by like September, right? And then you're going to have the backlog of all the blockbusters that need to come out. Right. So that's going to take up the space that would have been year end award shit. Yeah. Only the movies that have commercial crossover potential like Dune and West Side Story will open then. And then everything else is just going to open January and February. And yeah. that's just going to be the time shifted award season because right. fucking Wonder Woman and Ghostbusters Afterlife and whatever had to like rule the multiplexes of the, the fall. Um, yes. And instead, it, it just, everything sucks. Everything's bad. What's wild about this, though, is so like this will be the latest Oscar ceremony Beyond like whatever, like maybe those first few that weren't even held in the spring, like those first few Oscars or whatever that like encompassed two years at a time or whatever. Mm -hmm. But this will be the latest into April that it's been pretty much since they set the Oscar timeline. But it's not by much like the Oscars used to be in April kind Mm -hmm. of a lot. And I'm just and Mm -hmm. it's so funny to think about that now. And it's just like. That mu- I mean, whatever, like media was very different. We were less saturated by things, whatever. But it just does seem endless. It just does seem. It, it, yes. Yes. It that does. we're still a full month away as we record this episode from the Oscars is 
mind-boggling. And also next year's Oscars are going to be weird because yes. it's going to yeah. feel odd discounting like the first three months of the year entirely, yes. even though movies from the first three months of the year usually don't make much of an impact. Always get discounted. Right, 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 right. right, right. But it's odd mm. to just be like, well, the beginning of this year was truly and purely just the Oscar movies. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, yes. From the previous year's qualifications. Um, sh- shall we shall we dive in, boys? Let's, Let's do it. dive in, Griffin. We usually start with supporting a support. Which support should we do? Uh, do let's think? do supporting actress first, because yes. I'm going to make a game time decision on the fifth position for supporting actor. Uh, that's fair. Supporting actress. We are here to announce our picks for best supporting actress in the movies of 2020. Whatever. Yes. I don't know why I'm doing all this wind up. Uh, <laughs> I'll just do mine first. I feel like I'm actually close to. Yeah, I'm, I'm three out of five with the Oscars on this one. Okay. Which is not going to be true with a lot of them, probably, but whatever. Yep. So I have Maria Bakalova from Borat, subsequent movie film. Uh, Amanda Seyfried from Mank. Yoon Yujung from Minari. And then I have Candace Bergen from Let Them All Talk. And Gina Rodriguez from Kajillionaire. I want to say that this is uh-huh. the hardest category for me this year. There's not a lot of performances I really love in this category this year. I love oh, these performances. Um, and I, there, this has been the category where I most have just kind of like swapped in names and been like, does that look right? Mm, I don't yeah. know. Does that look yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Those are my nominees. I have a lot of really strong runners up, and I'll wait till everybody uh, does theirs before I maybe uh, talk you, about those a little bit. Yeah, you go, you go next, though, Jack. Okay. So mine are now it's funny because the list I have in front of me is not in alphabetical order. So I'm alphabetizing on the fly. So if I screw it up, listeners, make sure you let me hear about it. Um, a flex, a flex. <laughs> uh, Jane Adams in She Dies Tomorrow. Mm. Uh, Shireen Alvarez in St. Francis. Candace Bergen in Let Them All Talk. Uh, Amanda Seyfried in Mank and uh, Yeon Yujung in Minari. Can I just say I'm really happy about what's about to happen? Oh, good. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure I know, but go ahead. Yeah, I, I I think I think anyone can predict it. If anything, the only surprising element is that I'm the one going last with what's about to happen. Right. right. <laughs> okay. Right. Right. Uh, whereas it, I think most people predicted I'd be leading the charge. Exactly. Um, right. I do uh, uh, want to say. Um, uh, similarly to what you guys are talking about, this was a category where like I landed on a five I felt good about, but I had very few alts. I and, really also, yeah. Right. Yeah. In in the beginning of the year, I just start my iPhone note, and anytime I see a performance that jumps out to me, I put it on the list, even if I think it's probably not going to survive a year later, right? Yep. And I mentioned yep. that because this first pick is going to have you flummoxed, but when oh. I saw this in a theater in the first two months of the year, I went, yeah, that's the first thing I saw that could qualify. And I did not see five other performances that I felt could push it out since then. Now I gotta know. Yeah, now ready? Know. You're gonna be yeah. flummoxed by this. Okay, okay. Best supporting actress. 
Miranda Otto in Downhill. She was hey, one of my no, runners she's up. Good. She's fucking she's so great in funny. that movie. She's so funny in that movie. I love her in that movie. And one of the only elements that argues for Force Majeure being remade in the first place because it feels like someone doing something fundamentally different and interesting. I love her in that movie. I'm so glad you made that pick. Here's my only problem with that pick, Griffin. Yeah. I'm I'm seeing here that Downhill was released uh, 400 years ago, so I don't really know I what mean, you're talking about. I, I truly am going just off the notes app here. I would tell you from memory the same thing. Yeah, okay. Tony Collette, I'm thinking of ending things. Talia Ryder, never rarely, sometimes, always. Yeah, that would be my runner-up. Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Birds of Prey. Nice. And Candace, LeBron, yeah. James, Bergen, yep. let them all talk, score, yep. and fucking buckets. Yep. That's the right call that she's the uh, one for uh, all of us. Yep. She's the I'm one. Doing, I, I'm doing moves. Doing look, in, ter- in terms of alts, there were some, <laughs> some stretches. There are some things like, like Kajillionaire is one I actually tried to cram in where I'm like, I feel like I could watch that and enjoy that. And I probably would get a, a good couple acting nominations out of that and i mm. resent myself for prioritizing trying to watch nomadland um mm. I, I think a jillionaire might have uh, fucked you up i'm gonna really? be honest with you yes. <laughs> i haven't seen miranda, it yet it's on my list it has that miranda july thing where an hour in she's like this movie's actually about how we're all afraid of dying and i'm like okay miranda look i mean Fuck yeah, I'm, I'm about to put the Charlie Kaufman movie in almost every single well, category. It's not like I yeah. didn't nominate some movies that fucked me up, but yeah. there's a specific right, right. type of fuck me up that I could handle. Yeah, it's possible that it would click with you in a really nice way. It's just also possible it might have, you know, uh, freaked you out. I have no idea. Who knows? It's, Who knows? it's Who that knows? Miranda July thing where you're kind of yeah. like, whoa, you know. Where she dies tomorrow, I knew I couldn't handle. Oh, uh, no. Me, me I like- too. I'm almost regretful that I watched it because it like really, really fucked me up, but it's good. Like, it's really good. I, it sounds yeah. so sounds in my good. wheelhouse. I would yeah. love to go fucking submit myself to seeing that in a theater where I can fully focus wait, on it. Wait and till like, you're, you're constitutionally yeah. Uh, able to. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But Jane um, Adams, so and Jane Adams are- is an actress who like doesn't always work for me. She does a very specific kind of thing that sometimes it's a little much for me, but it was perfect in this so i really really uh like turn that griff two of yours were on my runner-up list i had both miranda otto and tony collette on my runner-up i feel so i sort of tweeted yesterday because i was going through and i knew they weren't going to make it and i was like there are four actresses who give very specific kind of like uh very like almost out there performances in movies that i didn't really love it was those Mm -hmm. two essie davis and the true history of the kelly gang and mm-hmm. Valerie Mahaffey and French Exit. And I was just like, well, all four of these women are like doing fantastic work. Here's my thing about Downhill. If you yeah. didn't know that movie was an adaptation of one of the most like right. consequential and original movies of the decade, right. that movie would be straight up good. You would yeah, be, I, if that movie I, was I just yes. like, you know, hey, here's this like kind of like dramedy with Will Ferrell and Julie Louis, you know, and they're coming yeah. apart and it's, you know, yep. and you watch it and you're like, shit, this is well acted. Yes. This yes. is, uh, you know, kind of spare Miranda Otto, you know, comes in and throws heat for 10 minutes. Like, yep. Yep. I like this. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I, I can't separate it from the movie. It's being, uh, you know, you can't make me. You can't. But <laughs> if right. I could, I think I would really like Downhill. Instead, I thought it was okay, but of a bit of an odd, you know, sure. thing to exist. It's one of those things yeah. where it's like, 
oh, that would be fascinating as a broad comedy with two movie stars based on nothing, right? Versus yeah. in 2020, like, you know, right. maybe not 1978, but like in 2020. Right. That's the thing. It feels more like what qualified as a broad comedy in the early 70s where people were like, man, what if comedies made you sad? Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Didn't have a lot of jokes. Yeah, right. exactly. I, I just remember walking out of uh, downhill at the AMC Kips Bay. No idea how good I had it. Oh, yeah. I saw that thing at the Grove in L.A. And I was just yeah. like, I'm always my happiest when I'm at the Grove in L.A. I'm I'm basic as hell, but that's me. Um, and but again, this, yeah, I had no idea how good I had it. Right. This couple walking out was just like. Well, it like wasn't really that funny, but it also wasn't really that serious. It was just mm -hmm. kind of like real life. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I would be citing all of that as a positive were it not based off force majeure, which is the issue. Uh, but she's really good. Then I also just think she's the glimpse of the best version of an American force majeure, yeah. which is owning its lane as being more of a broad performative yeah. character comedy. Right. D dialed, dialed higher, which is what it should be. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, I've said it. We said it on this podcast. The, the big problem with that movie, and I like Will Ferrell, and I like him trying things like this, is that I believe that Will Ferrell would run away from an airplane. Right. Absolutely. Right. Yes. And right. yes. I can't get over you the movie expect being it. shocked by that. Yeah, like, you expect that to happen. There's nothing yeah. shocking about it, which means that if Will Ferrell is Will Ferrell at the beginning of the movie, by the end of the movie, he needs to go bigger than he's ever gone in his life. Right. He life. needs to be like nuclear explosion Will Ferrell, right. and yeah. obviously the movie is not interested in that. It's funny how much we're talking about downhill yeah it is. uh but that's fine <laughs> uh you know mr griff i'm assuming you put bakalova in lead which is fine obviously or or is borat not allowed because borat actually scored like, yeah multiple Majors. big nominations yeah. it was a tweener for me but i will say bakalova i feel very strongly is a lead performance and she would have been my lead winner mm -hmm. i think that is the second best performance i've seen all year but i and and look i am all for her being in supporting, uh, sure. I don't think and she could have gotten nominated in lead. I think she's going to win. I predicted this to you. I put it on the record, going to put it on the record on this record. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I, I just decided it was, it was too validated for me to nominate, even if I did the swap of a different category. Uh, surprisingly validated. There's no question. Or maybe not that surprisingly, but because it is a really good performance. Candace, I, look. I know, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I just want to say about Bakalova quickly. It, it just... The complexity of what she's doing in the Giuliani scene is mind boggling to right. me because she has to actually convince we saw this guy who admittedly is easily duped, right? Mm. That she's what are you a, talking about? America's <laughs> America. That she's a serious interviewer, right? And keep him right. there with the risk, obviously, the danger she knows she's getting into being alone in a room with this guy, even with a camera crew right outside the door. Who knows what the fuck this guy is gonna do if he thinks he's alone? Right. But the yep. fact that throughout all of that, she is somehow simultaneously playing to the camera that she is sad that she has to do this, that her father has put her in this position. Yes, the emotional right. arc, the continuity of the character. She up has until to that play point. the meta text and the text at the same right. time. Yes. And she yes. can't overplay the meta text because if she does, she'll flag Giuliani. It's just like yeah. I, 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 that is such a skill piece to me. I think she's incredible. She would have been my best actress winner, uh, but I disqualified her. First Bulgarian acting nominee in the history of the Oscars. Not bad. About fucking time. Possibly the first Bulgarian nominee, period. Just want to point that mm. out. 
Um, Maria. So, all right. So we all we all nominated one person yeah. who is. Let's talk Candace about LeBron Bergen. Uh, Buckets Bergen. Candace Bergen in Let Them All Talk, a movie that is uniformly well acted, in my opinion. Yeah, I, don't know I agree you're. with and, that. Uh, Almost uh, did a double I, nom with Weist. She was, I was kind about of to say. my only serious alt. Weist was a high runner up for me as yeah. well. Yeah. Diane yeah. Weist, who's one of the queens of my spreadsheet, like over the years, almost oh, yeah. snuck in. Did um really good performance from her. I actually like Gemma Chan in that movie a lot. I like everything about that. Yeah, Gemma yeah, Chan's great in that movie. Yeah. Um, but 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 Bergen is just outrageous. And mm-hmm. it has so much pathos. And like it and it's also you're just kind of like you know, you, you give her enough rope, she'll fucking, you know, it's incredible. Like, she never gets That's to my thing. That's she carries thing. so much of the narrative right. of that movie, so much more than you would expect, because you initially yeah. think it's just going to be like, it's Meryl's movie, and these are her friends, and we've sort of cast this thing uh, very well. But, yeah, no, she's she shoulders a lot in that movie. I mean, in a way, this it, it's like Christopher Walken in Catch Me If You Can, where you're just like, oh, it's mm-hmm. nice to see someone hand this yeah. actor such a like juicy piece of meat again it's not like we haven't seen her in right. a while right. but it's like no That's one's right. given her this much in so long the real estate in the movie the depths of what she has to play the specificity of the character uh and she, and she does still score pretty much every single laugh line yeah. she's just one of those people who every uh, bucket one might say yeah she one she gets say. buckets she gets buckets from midcourt the funny thing, I talked about this on my own uh, podcast uh, last week, I think, um, but the whole thing about Let Them All Talk and the fact that Warner Brothers, at some point, probably before the whole pandemic happened, just decided that this was not going to be an awards movie for them and they were not going to, like, it yep. was not on their radar for that. Yeah. But the fact that they never recalibrated once the pandemic happened and everything shifted to streaming and and the like didn't really know what they had on their yeah. hands. Yeah. It's mind boggling to me that there was, they just didn't campaign it at all. The fact that like they couldn't get a golden globe nomination for Meryl Streep in a well-received Bananas. comedy where she's in the lead role. Like that's insane to me. Like the fact that they couldn't like drum up some kind of, I don't know if Bergen would have gotten an Oscar nomination, but she sure certainly would have been a contender. She's a big like Hollywood fucking loves her. Yeah. And it's a great story. It's a great sort of like comeback story uh, for her in movies, at least. And it just it felt to me and Warner Brothers had their own, you know, litany of decisions that they made this year and whatever. But like that to me is so strange that they just didn't fundamentally didn't know what they had on their hands with that movie. You guys know what Soderbergh has on deck next, right? What he's uh, what he's shot. What remind it's, it's, reminds know, me. Yeah, remind. It's a thriller called No Sudden Move. Here's the logline: A group of criminals are brought together under mysterious circumstances and have to work together to uncover what's really going on when their job goes sideways. Okay, so already I'm like Soderbergh's making that probably going to be the greatest film ever made. Here's yeah, the rock cast: hard. Brendan rock hard. Brendan Fraser, Matt Damon, Benicio del Toro, Don Cheadle, John Hamm. Kieran Culkin, Ray Liotta, Bill Duke. I mean, I'm just like, yeah. L- let me at this thing. I, I, I yeah. can't be held responsible for my actions. <laughs> A- Amy Simons, uh, Julia yeah. Fox. Uh, yeah. Did you say Benicio? Noah Benicio. Jupe. The Noah king. Noah in there. The Noah Jupe come. Noah Jupe come in a fucking shank. Uh, the Tremblay in, in his uh. sleep. You think Jupe, you're the talented child actor? Jupe scoring buckets on his own, I gotta tell you, and all uh, of his stuff lately. David, yeah. did you mention who wrote this movie? 
No, wait a second. I may not know. Ed motherfucking Solomon. Ed Solomon wrote it. That's right. Come on. Ugh, come on. And that's another thing that HBO Max is probably just going to poop out in August. Yeah, yeah right. Exactly. <laughs> we'll be like, yo, this is a masterpiece. And they'll be like, huh? What? What was that? I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. So can I ask a, how did this movie not become an awards player question about a movie I admittedly have not seen, but one of you just uh-huh. included on your list? Uh-huh. How does French Exit not exist? People did not like it. People thought it was really off-putting. Even people who liked it, like I I pretty much liked it, but like, it's really off-putting. I just feel like every couple of years, there's a new, this might be Pfeiffer's comeback Oscar movie. And every time it belly flops. And this one just felt like on paper, like, oh, that has to work for her, right? Especially in a pandemic year. That's like an easy nomination for her. She's great in it. She's really great in it, but it's still that thing. People hate that movie. I didn't realize that. Yeah, people, I, I, I remember when it uh, premiered, it premiered at New York Film Festival, right, David? Am I mistaken? That is correct. I believe it was the closing film, which is... Right, and I just remember that night, like, just everybody who I knew on my Twitter feed who watched it were just, like, 80 to 20, de- like, despised it. And there were, like, wow. there were, it definitely had its supporters and its fans. But it's, it's, it makes you work for it. It makes you work to like it. It's, um, it's really hard to do a Whit Stillman movie. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it, you yeah. know, it's just really, really hard. Yeah. Um, but but I do also think there's the curse of Pfeiffer. I like Jacobs. I like Jacobs, too. I really liked um, uh, The Lovers. The Lovers was really good. But I like that he makes kind of thorny, challenging comedies mm-hmm. yes. uh, yeah. th- that you do have to work for. Uh, yeah. But yes, there is that weird Pfeiffer curse where it just feels like, oh, mm-hmm. she's doing a, a Stephen Frears period film fucking slam dunk and then people yep. are just like Cherie gave me diarrhea out yeah. of here people are, yeah. this is the Frears movie that right we were going to erase from his record even though the Oscars are like Stephen Frears yeah, yeah we can yeah. get a nomination somewhere we'll figure it out like they're like right. going through their files we just yeah. covered uh, White Oleander on my podcast uh, yeah. recently and that was yeah, another that, one where it's just like she's so good in this movie what more do you is. want she's fantastic but but that is a great point that's essentially the start of the 20 year Pfeiffer Oscar curse yeah. if at the beginning of the year people yep. go oh this is a big Oscar play for Pfeiffer it is fundamentally not going to be a big Oscar play for anybody yeah that is absolutely correct it'll happen someday I have to imagine it's I just got don't to know right what it it's got be. to uh yeah. quantumania yeah, that'll be it. Yes. that'll be it. They'll 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 give everything a nomination. They'll they'll yeah. it won't be just return of the it. king. Shower it. It'll be right. return of the king. We have to recognize um, the trilogy. Joe, we both nominated Yoon Yo Jung, which is one of those performances uh, that is undeniable. Uh, haven't watched it. It is uh, like you know much better than the sort of kooky, fun grandma role that it very initially much so. presents itself to be. Yep. Yes. Yeah, she keeps it on a level where you do sort of. I mean. The late great Cloris Leachman, I do not want to slight, but you do um, sometimes sort of expect it to sort of get to a level of, like you said, like kooky grandma or whatever. I'm sorry. Are you talking yes. about uh, uh, Cloris Michael Jordan Leachman? <laughs> yes, exactly. Wow. Cloris Kevin Rip. McHale uh, uh, Leachman. Yes. Wow. Um, may she rest. But yeah, no, it's uh, so much of Minari sort of stays on this very sort of just like personal uh, emotional keel that 
a character like that could really throw off. And she was really dialed into it while still being really interesting and really compelling and really like lovable, but spiky. Like my favorite character type. Are you lovable, but spiky? Oh my, like Mm. I absolutely love you. And um, yeah, it's one of my favorite Oscar nominations this year. It was one of those things where I first saw the movie. I'm like, I'm going to have to be so obnoxious about how she deserves an Oscar nomination, but it's never going to happen because X, Y, Z. And I'm so yeah, glad I mean, like with the farewell, like that usually gets ignored. There's the narrative of like, this is a really accomplished actress from her home country, you know, and people are like, oh, yeah, 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 she'll come seventh. You know, like, you yeah, know, it's yeah. usually like just kind of like on the outside. And yep. maybe this year just because of the circumstances of the of the year, but also it's just a special performance. And Minari kind of hit at the right time. Yep. Uh, all right. We should move on. But Griff, is there anything in, left in your uh, ballot you wanted to shout out? I'm, you know, I'm trying to remember. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Winston, Birds of Bray, I feel like is uh, she's good. And, I mean, it's really good, but good. it's a, it's an actor choosing to play a legitimate superhero role like the hockey pads guy from the beginning of the Dark Knight, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. yes, yes. Which yes. I find so fun. I just like the frame of that character. I think the writing of the character is really good. That's the best that movie has to offer, uh, yeah. for me. Uh, never rarely, sometimes always the performances are really good in that movie. I'll speak about it again. Uh, and Tony Collette, I'm thinking of ending things. That's a movie that I look at with all four of that, those performances where I'm like, this would just be so much fucking fun to act. The fact that it's just four people and then two people playing off each other, you know, and, yeah. and the Thulis and, uh, Collette performances are just so meaty in terms of the shifts they get to play. And the sort of like, it feels like fun acting class exercise stuff in the best way in terms of just like making bizarre strong nightmarish choices in response to everything yeah Um, i just wanted to throw out briefly before we move on just because i know that like i uh shireen alvarez in saint francis nobody's really talked about her this award season so i didn't want to just throw her out um she plays the uh the woman that uh, the main character kelly o'sullivan is working for who's having this like postpartum sort of like very hard time trying to deal with uh her kids and so the main character comes and is you know sort of this like long-term uh babysitter up here kind of situation and yeah. She's just like, she is sort of what elevates that movie to me. I think it's a very well-written and very funny movie and, you know, touching, but like her performance really elevates it to something special. She and Kelly O'Sullivan really have a great sort of one, you know, tete-a-tete kind of stuff and good relationship that builds and and evolves. And I think she's just really wonderful. And there's some really like big scenes in that movie where she really has to like act this postpartum depression stuff in a way that really has to land with you. And I think she nails it. That movie fucking rules. And uh, really I assume yeah. it'll be more accessible at some point to watch, um, but it completely rules. It's an oscilloscope movie. I don't know like where what its sort of streaming status is right now, but it's so good. Um, I might talk about it again later. Um, my winner yeah. is Amanda Seyfried in Mank. Nerds. Nerds. I love her in that. Uh, there's, everybody yeah. talks about nerds, but there's this one moment where... Manx in a car on the lot or whatever, and she just yeah. sort of like stops and she gets in and she just looks at him and she just goes Mank like that. And I'm just Mank. like, well, that's the funniest thing I've ever got. That scene rules where he's like, yeah. please do me this favor. And she's like, I already did my exit. I love her in that movie. She's incredible in that movie. And I think she's I think my number one as underrated well. because yes, she is. People yeah. don't like Mank or whatever. I mean, probably because Mank, you know, tells too many truths. You know, this is going to be my new bit is that you're not prepared for Mank. 
Yeah, Mank isn't popular enough because Mank keeps it too real. Keeps um, it real. Yeah. <laughs> Even among uh, people who don't like Mank, though, I think people mostly really yeah, yeah. like Seifert's uh, performance. But, like, if yeah. she wins an Oscar, which I don't think she will, but she certainly could. She could. Because uh, it's she sort could. of a weird, diffuse year. Yeah. People will shit on that Oscar. Like, they yes. will be like, eh, she kind of, whatever. It was like, you know, she kind of yeah. snuck in that. Griff, who's your winner? My winner is Candace Bergen. Yeah, well, very she, supportable. She much deserved. Yeah. All right, let's do supporting I, I, I did watch Mank. I, I just couldn't fully get into it. I watched it Yeah, because he kept it too it, real. Yeah, he kept, he kept it too real. Um, yeah. Okay, supporting actor. Uh, supporting David, actor. Uh, please uh, read right. your nominees. My nominees are Dan Stevens in Eurovision. I already love uh, it. The story of Fire Saga. Glenn Turman in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Lucas Hedges and Let Them All Talk. Robert Pattinson in Tenet, and Orion Lee in First Cow. Those are the nominees. I love it. Joseph Reed. All right. Mine are Daniel Kaluuya in Judas and the Black Messiah, Mm. Robert Pattinson in Tenet, Clark Peters in The Five Bloods, Mm. Paul Racy in Sound of Metal, and Mark Rylance in The Trial of the Chicago Seven. He is so good in that. He's so good in that. Whatever movie. you think of that movie, he He's absolutely, so good. you know, best, he shows them, but show. he gives it. Love I it. agree, best in show. Uh, my nominees for best supporting actor are Matthew McFadden in The Assistant. Incredible performance. Beautiful. That's my, beautiful my choice. Set. Clark Peters in The Five Bloods. Dan Stevens in Eurovision. Nice. For sure. Song of Fire and Ice. <laughs> Peter Thewlis in I'm Thinking of Ending Things. David Thewlis. David Thewlis. Jesus Christ, my brain is soup. <laughs> David Thewlis in I'm Thinking of Ending Things. And Joe Pantoliano in Bad Boys for Life. Oh, wow. There we have it. Here's the thing, Griffin. You're angry. I'm angry it's not on my list. You're I'm angry. Sort of- <laughs> I, I, I gotta admit, I, I he was he was on the outskirts. There were a couple guys fighting for that fifth slot, and I put him in there because I wanted to make you angry. Here's the thing: you've made me angry, but it's not just because you put him on and I didn't. It's I'm angry at myself because I feel like I kind of forgot about it. Now, yeah. obviously, the movie came out like 14 months ago. David, right. it's the number still, one film of 2020. I don't understand. Yeah, it is the last bl- the last blockbuster. I still walked out of that movie with a five minute. Joey Pants rant. We about like it's it. not exactly. It. And yeah. we talked about it after that. Yeah. I think we might have mentioned it on the podcast. So Absolutely. I'm a little mad at myself, but thank you for shouting, including him. Please. Look, Thanks. we're even it's I I've still I've spent years nursing the wounds of anger from you remembering to include Condi Alexander for Patriots Day. <laughs> yeah. So I feel <laughs> like <laughs> we're a great even moment now. by me. Yes. Oh. yes no, yes. I think about that all the time. No, like, I know, fuck, I, I should have done that. I know she's yeah. so good in that movie. She's so good. In that um, so those are the nominees. So I feel like we were all over the place. Did we share? There was no. David, you, you know, and I shared Pattinson shared. and Griffin and I shared Clark Peters. I feel like that was right. And David and I shared Dan Stevens. Right. Right. Dan Stevens, who I made a manful effort to win, get, get him the win. Oh, at the I know you circle. told me that. Oh, God God bless so you. Much. <laughs> um, but that one didn't get a lot of traction. I think he's wonderful in that movie. He, he is. is one of the most surprisingly versatile actors ever, considering yep. when he left Downton Abbey, I was like, why? So he can be sixth on the like 
Henry right. Cavill call list? Like, right. what does he think? Yes. Like, he thinks he's going to get roles, and instead he has had an incredibly exciting and varied career, basically, since, you know, leaving that cursed fucking mansion. <laughs> they're, right. they're making, like, a sequel to the Downton Abbey movie uh, now. Like, I you know. can never escape. Well, uh, also, he escaped. I mean, an example of a guy where you could announce that he is playing any role in any type of movie, and I would go, yeah, he could probably pull that off. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I, I see why he would do that. You know, like, it just feels like he's a guy who likes a challenge, likes stretching himself, and has pretty much pulled off everything he's ever tried to do. Listen, I, we yeah. all know what a masterpiece Beauty and the Beast was. So, like, granted. But, like, I was, I was thinking about this. Objectively, I, I think he does his job well in that movie. It's hard yeah, to sure. give him credit yeah. because I think the design of the Beast is so disastrous that no moment the characters on screen really works. But <laughs> yeah. I think if you really try to think about only what he's doing, sure. and especially if you look at behind-the-scenes photos of what <laughs> the in fuck the, he was wearing. <laughs> him yeah. in the pillow suit. <laughs> you gotta kind of give him the credit for that movie. And yeah. he's good at fucking everything, everything he does. Yeah. Mm, I'm going to make it my background. Um, yeah, I love Dan Stevens. I love him in that movie. I think he's so funny. Yeah, he's so um, funny. What uh, else? The Pattinson. Yeah, no, come on. That's I'm just glad I knew I knew hilarious. I knew someone else would have Pattinson. I knew that I would have some company with that. And I'm he he was that. close for me. He was close. He's so much fun in that movie. I loved I loved that movie a lot more than most people did. I had I had. I, I always Tenet and Mank are the two movies where I say I had fun and everybody looks at me like I'm, you know, I've got three heads. But like, I think Tenet is such a good time. And Pattinson is the most good time in that movie. He's just sort of a yeah. pleasure to watch. He is. I agree with all of that. He's having fun. He's just at the movie. He's just like the spoonful of sugar the movie needs. You know yep. what I mean? But also, it is an achingly beautiful performance. Yes. <laughs> In my opinion, I think it's like a lovely performance. It's a story about friendship. He's playing a guy, yes, who is in love with his partner, not in a, you know, uh, he, you know, in a romantic way, but just in a, like, it's real. Moment the love is one. real. Exactly. Yeah. He is excited to finally meet the man he's known for years. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and, yeah. and and there's just so much joy to it. And it's so funny to think about it, considering the Pattinson in interviews. It's like, you know, I didn't really know what was going on in that one. You know, like he's like, oh, I did what Chris told me. But like, whoa, because he's such a talented actor. Yeah, I think he's on my ballot like every year these days. Yeah, I think that, it's I, that sounds maybe, about right to me. Yeah, maybe not every year, but like often. I mean, he's just such a such a delight. He's wonderful. Uh, and Hedges, too. Hedges and Let Them All Talk is just that. Th that is a crazy you throw that actor in to a super three super talented, you know, uh, yeah. uh, uh, middle aged actresses who've done this shit for years. Soderbergh is like, look, the screenplay is you're on a boat and there's a lot of shit going on. Right. And go, you know, like no script. They're all improvising. Hedges has to do all this like giggling and physical stuff and like this yeah. sort of like, you know, he's he's uh, vulnerable and like that shit is hard. That is such an impressive performance. There are moments in that movie where you can definitely see him being like, all right, what do I do? <laughs> like, what, what's next? But like right, the, right. everything else. But that's also part of the charm of the movie, I feel like. And also everything else, like you said, the movement and the, you know, he's going dancing and he's sort of like the the temperament of it is really, really good. He's and he's so likable. He's just like so goddamn likable. 
Griffin, who else did you have? Wait, go, go, go give me your list again, Griff. You had you had Stevens, obviously. You had uh, uh, Clark Peters, The Five Bloods, who I think is quietly the heart of that movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. David Thewlis, Thank You, Vanning Things. Uh, the, you know, pretty much everything I said about uh, Tony Collette applies here. Uh, Matthew McFadden in The Assistant. David, I, yeah, I walked out of that movie. I think maybe the last new release film I saw in theaters, mm. and I was texting you about how good he was in it. And I coined a phrase that I said, I want to use this on the podcast when this comes up again. Thermostat performance. Right. You remember you telling uh, me this at the time. Yes. Yeah. And they're single-handedly changing the temperature of the movie just yeah. with their acting alone. He's got one fucking set piece scene, one long two-person conversation towards the end of the movie that fundamentally changes the entire movie through just the energy he brings to it. It is very fascinating to me that this guy who like, you know, has been around since Pride and Prejudice in American movies, you know, Mm -hmm. or at least in movies that cross over. Right. Exactly. It was known for TV and whatever. And it just was sort of like, I don't know, this guy like never really found his spot. And it turns out he is like fucking perfect at playing. American corporate bootlickers. Yeah. <laughs> the thing about it, right, is like he was in this incredible British uh, miniseries called Perfect Strangers. I think it's mm-hmm. called Almost Strangers in America because they don't want it to remind you of the Balky associations. If you ever can find it, it's probably on Britbox or one of these things. Like, really check it out. It's one of the most incredible pieces of drama I ever filmed. And then he was on this TV show called Spooks, which is called MI5 in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like that, that, that was his thing. It's like, this guy might be the next Bond. Like this guy is Britain's right. next charming right. leading man. You know, I'd seen him on the stage. He was in some movies and he's in Pride and Prejudice. He's playing Darcy, you know, 20 years right. after Colin Firth. It's like, this guy has just been handed the role. Yeah. And it, that movie hits. He doesn't. Right. Yeah. Like, it's not like it killed his career. He just hangs out in Britain doing mostly TV and stuff and theater and stuff. And then as you say, the start of it is Anna Karenina. I was just about to bring up Anna Karenina. I'm so glad you did. Yep. As this like sort of delightful drunk. And you're like, oh, that's Matthew McFadden. And he's kind of leaning into being a buffoon. Yep. This yeah. is interesting. It's a great performance. And, and then, you know, come come a few years later, he's in succession. And you're like, oh, my God. Like, and he's Wait. playing an American. And you're like, right. oh, my God. He's incredible at this. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you're forgetting something very important, David. Please. He did. Spend some time in the four realms. He did go to the four <laughs> realms. Right. Uh, he, he's, so, he's the dad in that movie? <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Like, like, that's how, a perfect how am example. I supposed to keep up this bit by knowing the plot? There's, the there's four realms. That's a lot to keep up with. <laughs> yeah. But like that's the exact type of thing it felt like his career was going to be relegated to. Right. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're, you're an also ran in an also ran Disney movie. Yes. The right. thing about and his performance like, in The Assistant, though, is like, yeah. it's like, the baseline evil of like corporate whatever, yes, which is also what he plays in succession. And it's obviously like two incredibly different takes on it. And in succession, it's a comedy. And in this, it's a like the movie is sort of this like low key drama, but his scene plays like an absolute horror movie. It's yes. just like it's five minutes of the most terrifying shit you've ever seen. Yeah. In an office. And it's the she's made it out of the, you know, house in the horror movie scene. And 
a cop shows up and she's like, oh, thank God. You know, like, it's like yes, the moment where she's like, that. I'm it's saved. That. And then the, the twist not. is like, oh, no, no, you're yeah. not. You've walked into the fire. You know, it's yeah. it's so good. And he does that solely through incredibly deft, subtle shifts in energy, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it's it's a really, it's really great. skillful performance. Yeah. It's great. I also, he once, many years ago, my mother, I really loved him in this this thing, Perfect Strangers, and then I liked Spook. So I was like really into him when I was like 14 years old. This is a little yeah. embarrassing. Um, And my mother interviewed him for whatever spooks you know airing on like a and e in america or whatever you know like it was crossing over slightly and he called my house and i picked up the phone oh wow he's like hello like is you know is blah there and i was like oh no like uh, let me go get her like he's like it's matthew uh you know like and i had like a two-minute conversation with him and he was so nice oh that's so wonderful 14 year old david i love that um anyway seems like a nice enough guy I'm so happy he's now just kicking ass on the number one show in America. yeah, (laughs) In the exact kind of part you would never think to cast him in. Never. You would never be like, oh, this guy can play a Midwestern, as you say, like, you know, try hard bootlicker. Yeah, he's so good. He's so so funny. Realizing that Uh, I loved that show was very much realizing that I loved what he was doing with that performance. Cause it's, it takes you a second to just be like, he's, what are you going for here? And that, like, then it clicks and it's amazing. Weirdly, he figured out the show before it feels like the show figured out itself. Yeah, I would agree yeah. with that. Right. In those yeah. early episodes, he's dialed a little higher and the show gets there quickly, yeah. but not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is he your winner, Griff? Um, I, kinda, um, I, 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 I feel like he, is let me look at this again. Yeah, I kind of feel like I have to give it to McFadden. It's just it's just such a skill piece for me. Um, it's fantastic. Joe, who else did you have? So I was gonna say I got I have Kaluuya in supporting. I know there's a lot of discussion about the actors in Judas and the Black Messiah and whether they belong in lead or supporting. I could see him in either way, and he mm-hmm. sort of fit better on my supporting ballot. He is absent for a good. 30 minute stretch of the back half of that movie. I don't care on that one. They, and, yeah. and people are like, well, the movie has no lead character. I'm like, yeah, maybe. Well, like, Stanfield to me seems egregious, but like, yeah, Kaluuya is with very supportable. I don't disagree in that. I think Stanfield is the lead of the movie. That's what that, that is the yeah. problem people have with that movie. They're like, why is that the lead character? Like not sure. that everyone has that problem, but like that is a criticism I've seen. So, yeah. but Kaluuya's first build but that's because sure. he's an Oscar nominee, like you know, and he's a star who's been in big movies, right. like you and know. He's playing know. the more famous person. He's playing right, right. like yeah. a, right. a historical figure. I, you know, I don't know. My yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's fine in there, like obviously. Yeah, he's gonna win an Oscar. He's a very talented actor. He's fantastic. Paul Racy, I think, is really fantastic, and and mm-hmm. and an actor I had never yes. heard of before or seen in anything, and is you know, very much sort of the emotional center, I think, of that movie, or at least, like, provides the emotional sort of, like, back and forth with Riz Ahmed in, in mm-hmm. that film. Um, and then Rylance, I mean, we said it right at the beginning, but just, like, Best in Show and Trial of Chicago 7, in a really strong cast. Griffin, I know you and I have talked about our uh, uh, differing opinions on who's good and who's bad in that movie, but yeah. mm. um, he's so... It's he's he's a really good fit for Sorkin in a way that I don't know if I would have really expected, 
uh, exactly, but I would now need to see him in other Sorkin stuff. Look, uh, I he's talked about. I mean, he he's like wanted to work with Sorkin since Sports Night. He like reached out to Sorkin and was like, "I want to do something with you someday." Yeah. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm flipping this. I'm flipping this. What I'm about to say, because uh, yeah. I was confusing my my thought. I'm about to share. Uh, my brain is soup. I I came close to to putting Keaton in my five. Yes, because it's an unheralded performance. Right. Yeah. It, it is just so uh, small. It just felt like a little bit too small to qualify for me. Yeah. I don't really like that movie. I have no. watched his scenes probably eight times. His scenes uh, are good. They're yeah. also the great Sorkin stuff where he's That's like, the other you didn't thing. see, I'm hitting the, the button here. You know, you didn't see this coming and it's a little mini play. That's but it's better. also, yeah. he's, he's doing the tossed off thing that works better for Sorkin. It, yes. it, it's yeah. like, I remember reading an interview with um, Jeff Daniels where he said like, you just need to know the fucking language backwards and forwards yeah. so thoroughly that then you can just kind of toss everything off dance on it take whatever it is but just like you yeah. know and i feel like sasha baron conan is a perfect example of someone who is playing the sorkin of it too hard i think that is underlined a bad performance i am astonished that it became such an oscar run I, well i think it's also just he was gonna get an acting nomination and yeah. they all you know they, they love to, do that, to give you the yeah. nomination for the serious right. movie over the right. better performance in the comic movie. Right, which they should have done. But I yeah. think uh, I think Rylance is great in that movie. I think Keaton's great in that movie. The other person I consider putting in, I think Yaya Abdul-Mateen is great in that movie. And the fact that that character is so uh, uh, fucked by the Sorkin-iness of that movie and his uh, decisions on how he wants to represent reality almost makes that performance more impressive to me because it feels like he's working overtime to overcome the shafting of that character within the narrative or or you know his the the uh actuality of of how things played out yeah i also just think that guy's a fucking star yeah he's great david you had glenn turman in ma rainey he was one of my runners up i also had coleman domingo in ma rainey as a runner up Uh, both of them i thought were really really fantastic I think Glenn, Glenn Turman is my winner. He's my easy runaway winner. I think that's okay. like a, a slept on performance in a way, even though it was well reviewed. Um, yeah. I am a bit of an August Wilson slut. I don't know how to, you know, like, where, like I really love, <laughs> I really love watching incredibly talented actors tackle his language. And that's why yeah. I really like the filmed versions of his movies, even when they are, you know, filmed versions of excellent plays. Like, I think I actually is have a really to say- good well-directed movie like i think it's making a lot of interesting choices what, what do you have to say sorry well i was I was basically what you just said which is that i'm surprised how much i liked george c wolf's direction of that i was expecting yeah. a lot more of just like i think he makes some really interesting camera choices in that and um i was impressed at the way that like he sort of built it out without being like now we can we have to set a scene outside because you wouldn't see that in a play you know what i mean like one of those kind of things um right. i really thought he did a good job um that i just think that performance is so sad and so tremendous and i love him as an actor he's my guy orion lee's the only other guy on my list i haven't talked about just a great performance great performance And kelly reichardt was trying to tell me about him when i interviewed her many many moons ago and she said like you know we're very different he likes shrek that's how she put it to me and i've never (laughs) let that go in terms of like did he mention shrek 
Right. Did how did this come up? Paul Shrek in how he wanted to do something in a scene. Was he like, like Shrek? Like, I just have always wanted this to know. This cow reminds me point, of Shrek, I think. Yeah. When yeah. Shrek came up in right. their conversations, but he loves Shrek. He's great in that movie. I mean, yeah, um, like she gives him a direction and he's like, oh, like in Shrek. And she's like, yes, exactly. <laughs> have, I, have I shared the, the anecdote about my my day on set with her on Night Moves? I can't remember. No. I mean, you, we've talked about it personally, but I'm not uh, sure. I'll just say this very it, quickly because yeah. it feels parallel to this and asking how is that the thing that lingered with her? Mm. Uh, she's, you know, an intense, uh, uh, quiet, very focused person, sure. right? Right. Uh, and, and, you know, she speaks in a way that is, uh, you know, kind of, uh, economic and sparse, much like you'd imagine from the person who makes those movies. She just knows exactly what she wants and she's pretty direct about it. Um, there was some line in the script where it's clearly this character, this manager of a sporting goods store that I played is talking about Charlie Sheen. Like she just, yeah. you know, wrote like a placeholder line of like, oh, they're talking about like People Magazine shit, right? Yeah. And it's when Charlie Sheen was on his whole like winning thing. And she was like, we need more time. So can you just riff more on the Charlie Sheen thing? And she called cut in the middle of a take because I talked about him blowing his syndication money. And right. there was a level of disdain in her saying like, why, why would you even... <laughs> be talking yeah, about there's that. no way your character would know about that <laughs> but also that she resented that i as a person even had right. that in my she's mind like, to bring up yeah because i think she's you know she's this person who like moved to oregon and right. like is kind yeah. of like i don't want to i don't want to think about all that crap right i want to make it clear a very sweet person i had a lovely right, time right, with her right, a, right. incredible director one of my favorite living directors but yeah. it was just like the way she came up to me it was just like first of all no way this guy would know that yeah. Second of all, why are you even bringing that into the picture? Uh, yeah, but yes, Orion Lee Lecture. Um, here, I, uh, Joe, who's your winner? Did you say your winner? I'm sorry. I didn't. I think mine is Kaluuya. I also want to shout out yeah. my big runner up was Malachi Kirby and Mangrove, who I don't know if I'm going to be able to talk about Mangrove very much on the rest of this thing. But I just want to say he's really, really good. He is. In that film. He is really, really good. Um, that movie, I, I can't wait to watch all those again. I sort of, watch them quickly uh yeah oh not all i watched all the lovers rock long before but then i watched the rest of them kind of quickly um right. but uh i just want to give you the blankies uh 10 supporting performers oh they, yeah because yeah, yeah. i could not find this i've been looking for it for the last 15 I have minutes no i have Great, it i have you. it they, okay. they they have you know um just uh, the 10 lead 10 supporting so their 10 supporting yeah. performers are paul racing sound of metal amanda seyfried and manknert yun yujung and minery uh, Maria Bakalova and Borat 2, Chadwick Boseman in Five Bloods, great performance in my opinion, uh, uh-huh. Ryan Lee in First Cow, Pattinson in Tenet, Tolly Ryder in Never Rarely, Sometimes, Always, Buckets Bergen in mm. Let Them All Talk, and yeah. J.K. Simmons in Palm Springs, which is a performance oh, I liked, but some people are really one. passionate about. I that's an interesting it. choice. I like that yeah. choice. Palm Springs was the last movie I saw in a theater. Uh, what a good movie. Uh, I love that movie. movie. Um, the, what should we move to? So, should we do the screenplays sort of quickly? Do we want to yeah. knock those out? Let's knock those out. Griff? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm going to give you my original screenplays. All right? Okay. You're going to sit there and take it. My original <laughs> screenplay nominees are Sean Durkin for The Nest, Andy Ciara for Palm Springs, Kelly O'Sullivan for St. Francis, Lee Isaac Chung for Minari, 
and Clever, Filho, and Juliano Dornells, and I apologize, my Portuguese uh, is probably way off for Baccarat. Those are my... Oh, Baccarat. Good pick. Well, now that you've gone with the flex of naming all the writers like I should have. When oh, I I'm sorry. You don't have nominees. to. You don't have to. I just have them no, on No, 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 no. This is good. Uh, the only one I actually didn't know off the top of my head was Andy Ciara for Palm Springs. He is one of my nominees, though. Um, mm-hmm. Also, Emerald Fennel. Fennel? Fennel, I think, right? Promising Young Hello, Woman. Hello, um, Oh, God. David Fincher's dad. What's his dad's name? Jack. Jack. Jack Fincher for Mank. Lee Isaac Chung for Minari and Kelly O'Sullivan for St. Francis. Best original screenplay. Let them all talk. Yep. Deborah Eisenberg. The five bloods. Uh, Rachel Bilson's dad, uh, uh, Spike Lee (laughs) and Kevin Wilmot and another guy. uh, I forget his name now and I feel bad because I literally interviewed them, but the the other guy is dead. Um, Anyway. Yes. Paul DeMeo. You're, you're on, you're on the hook for this, by the way, you've set the standard. Mm-hmm. The assistant. Uh, the assistant is Kitty Green, right? I think. Correct. Yeah. Wrote it, wrote yeah. Sure. yeah. Uh, Palm Springs. Andy Ciara made all three. The way back. Oh, the way back. Who wrote the way back? Uh, the way back was written by Brad Inglesby, the writer of Out of the Furnace and Run All Night. Two movies anyway. I think about constantly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're going straight to adapted. Hit it, hit it, hit adapted. We'll do it snake style, right? Then we'll go yeah, backwards exactly. from adapted. Yeah, exactly. Okay. This is good. I like this. Adapted. First cow. Yep. Uh, that's uh, John Raymond and Kelly Reichardt. Yes. I'm thinking of ending things. Uh, Chris, uh, Charlie, uh, Charlie Kaufman. The Invisible Man. Oh, I love this pick. Oh. Who wrote The Invisible Lee Man? Lee Wannell, baby. Just Solo Lee Wannell all by himself. Good job. Nice. Lee. Solo credit. I mean, this one, you're going to say who wrote it, but I think we're going to have to give this a little bit of a wink. Mm-hmm. The Old Guard. Uh, the Old Guard, which is, I believe, is it solely credited to, um, yeah, uh, Greg Rucka. It's yes, solely but, but, credited to Rucka, but I read that comic and I saw that movie. And I mean, the, the, there, was work, a, there was work done. <laughs> I, well, I think Gina collaborated with him is Absolutely. the nice way yeah. to put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he was never excluded or whatever. No, but, no, 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 yeah. no. I'm just saying she doesn't get credit on that movie. And everything I like about that movie is the stuff that she's clearly adding that is not there in the book that he wrote. Yeah. And my fifth adapted screenplay nomination, The Trip to Greece. Ah, that does that. I'm gonna say it counts. Why not? That's the Oscars does it that way. They run sequels, yeah, based on characters. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah, before Sunrise, Sunset did that. Yes. Yeah. I had a good Uh, good, trip to Greece question on my last uh, trivia night that I did that you guys would have gotten. I think I have confidence. I think you guys would have done well with it. I think that's a I find it odd that that movie uh, flew so under the radar, considering that for me, it's like that's a perfect lockdown wash. Yeah, it is. That is surprising. Nobody really talked about it. Yeah. No, I think people got burned on Spain. I know a lot of people were really turned off by Spain where I feel like people didn't even try this one. I mean, once again, the only thing is good, though. 
Spain's good. All four of them are good. All four of them are yes. good. It's one of the most consistent yes. film series ever. My only criticism of them is I wish I was watching the TV series because my problem with those movies are I could watch them for eight hours. And I hate that in England they get to watch them for eight hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. I mean, you could or always. four hours whatever. or whatever. Uh, six. Like get, whatever it is. Like Express six VPN, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. The Assistant is adapted. Wait, is that the, or was that original? I'm losing my mind. I can't remember. Uh, I put it in original. Am I wrong? It is original. That? No, it is original. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I couldn't remember where where things ended up. Okay, Joe, give me your adapteds. My adapteds are First Cow, Jonathan Raymond and Kelly Reichert, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, uh, Ruben Santiago Hudson, Nomadland, Chloe Zhao, One Night in Miami, Kemp Powers, and Unpregnant, which is credited to... Jenny mm. Hendricks, Ted Kaplan, Jennifer, Caton Robinson, Rachel Lee Goldenberg, and Bill Parker. A classic Joe pick. I really, really loved that movie, and I'm surprised more people didn't talk about it. Haven't seen it. I'm sure I would love that fucking thing. I liked it well, on the Haley level Lou. that I liked Booksmart. And Haley Lou. I thought, Haley Lou. I thought it should have gotten maybe a little bit of, you know, a fraction of the love that Booksmart got, at least, and, it, and nobody really talked about it. I mean, it was... HBO Max, when like HBO Max yes. was launching and like nobody had it on Roku and like I didn't watch it for like several weeks because I didn't have HBO Max on my Roku. And like, I get it, but it's really charming. Haley Lee Richardson's wonderful. Um, the other uh, her counterpart, Barbie Ferreira, who it's the first thing that I've ever seen her in. She's really good and funny in that. And it's like, you know, it's a good, like funny road trip comedy with these two you know really funny and engaging girls and i don't know i thought it was pretty well written and like queer positive in a way that i really liked and yeah can i throw out a a, a hot take yep throw it maybe this was a weird year for movies (laughs) you think so what are you talking about what are you talking about you talking about why that movie fell under the radar is like oh right this is the year that film culture like sort of like ate itself and then turned into an out inside out creature where the veins are on the outside. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We were subject to things like whether a platform had launched on Roku or not. Yeah. Yep. Right. And like a platform launching on the wrong day of the week. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it's totally true. Here David. are my adapted nominees. We got John Raymond and Kelly Reichardt for First Cow. We've got Charlie Kaufman from Thinking of Anything. We have Christopher Hampton and Florian Zeller for The Father. The father. Uh, we have Simon Blackwell and Armando Iannucci for the personal history of David Copperfield. And we have David Pryor for The Empty Man. Which one was The Empty Man? The Empty Man is a horror film starring James Vagedale that was filmed uh, like in the fucking Eisenhower administration and was dubbed <laughs> during the pandemic by Disney. Yes. It was a Fox movie that was given the same treatment as The New Mutants. It's like two hours and Ah. 20 minutes long. It is directed by, written and directed by a guy who did EPK for many years, including for David Fincher and for other people. Uh, It's based on a comic book, but has nothing to do with it except it shares the title, which the director thought was cool. And Uh it is absolutely incredible. And I highly recommend it. And I think it has a lot of brilliant ideas running through it in the screenplay especially especially but it's also gorgeous 
some Go people, ahead. some some outlet just ran a story about Thrillist. the weird cult of the empty man. Yes. D- yes. Dan Jackson okay. was one of the first to, to jump on it. I'm sad that I'm on paternity leave because I would try to be all over this fucking thing. This poster's uh, scaring the shit out of me as it is. So, like, I already really want to see it. It's scary. It's scary in is a it good on a, way. Where it's is it on unsettling. a streaming platform or is it like VOD? You got to buy it or rent it. You got to buy it. I'll do it. It was, but it was like it was like New Mutants, like the first movies pushed to the front line when theaters were reopening. Right. It was just like, oh, this yeah. thing must be garbage, right? And then David yep. two months ago was like, people are telling me the Empty Man is good. A couple people started uh, banging the drum. Adam Neiman, I think, uh, you know, Sean Fantasy. A couple, you know, I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'll check it out. Checked it out, and I was like, well, this is straight up good. Like, whoa, okay. Nice. And then I like read <laughs> one interview with the guy, and I was like, oh, this guy put a lot of care into this movie. And Disney was like. I'm seeing we own something called The Empty Man. I don't know what that is. Like, Why don't know. we put it in The Empty Theaters? <laughs> Fuck exactly. off. <laughs> um, David, uh, right before we started recording, you said that you were like, oh, I haven't seen David Copperfield in like 15 months. I, I was put between it putting that in or putting in something really, really chaotic. No. Can you so, tell us what the chaotic pick would have no, been? The, the Empty Man was the chaotic pick. I decided to include David Copperfield as well and kick out Norm- Nomadland, which I don't okay. think the screenplay is the thing about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think it's an interesting work of adaptation that she's taking a nonfiction work, but like, I don't yeah. like, you know, I was like, it's okay. Chloe, Chloe Zhao is doing fine. She doesn't need my mm-hmm. screenplay nomination. My winner is I'm Thinking of Ending Things, which is an adaptation of a book I did not like that I think did all kinds of incredible um, work with its concept. I know not everyone mm-hmm. agrees with that. That's obviously a very divisive movie. Yeah. But obviously I love First Cow. I think that's beautifully written. And The Father, which is adapted from a play, is one of the greatest pieces of play to screen adaptation that I've seen in a long oh, time. Oh, wow. That's um, Yes. The Father. Uh, David, my winner is also, I'm thinking of ending things. I agree with everything mm-hmm. you just said. Mm-hmm. I also feel like Charlie Kaufman is the only person who makes movies the way my dreams feel uh, in a way that I find very cathartic to watch. Uh, I think people who are not uh, riddled with panic, stress nightmares all the time, perhaps find his films alienating. Right. But uh, I, I just am so on the wavelength of what that movie is doing with regards to logic. Um, my original winner is The Nest, Sean Durkin's The Nest, one of my favorite movies this year. That is an incredible piece of, I mean, I think it's a a work of memoir. Like, I think it's about his life, um, but his childhood, especially, but like, it is, I think, a wonderfully written movie. But Palm Springs is kind of right behind there. And then that's just like, that's just kind of a slam dunk screenplay. Like, Mm -hmm. it's such a good idea. Not yeah. not to do a time loop movie, but to do a time loop movie as this metaphor for marriage, for taking the plunge on a big relationship. Yeah. And it just nails the metaphor so exactly. And it's funny. And it's, and it's very know, funny. Cleverly yeah. constructed. And, you know, Good all characters. That. Yeah. Uh, right. Did right. you did you say you're adapted winner, Joe? Oh, no. But mine is first cow. Adapted was a Ooh. lot thinner of a uh, category for me than original this year. I think. Uh, ditto. Um, I think in any year where like no none of the big studio movies come out is always going to be thinner and adapted because that's where you get most of your adapteds mm-hmm. but um yeah it's just a really lovely story and i think it's uh told really well my original winner is probably 
Minari, David, you you've you've already made me regretful that I didn't movie. put the nest in my nominees because you're right, the nest is uh, really fantastic. But like, it's a strong set of nominees. I probably could have named you know up to ten, but like Palm Springs, as you said, super funny. I think St. Francis is really uh, well observed. I think Mank. I like Mank as much as I do because it's about so many more things than I thought it was going to be about. And I like the way it sort of meanders around to those kind of things, California politics and yada, yada, yada. Um, and promising young women, which I think is more of a directing triumph than a screenplay triumph. But I think the ideas it has going on to me are very intriguing. And I think it's, you know, earns its spot on my list because of that. That You said it's more of a directing triumph than a screenplay triumph for you? Yeah, I think the I think the, what I love most about this movie and what sort of like took me a second to come around on is the audacity of it and sort of just like the the willingness to sort of go to the places that it goes, especially by the end and sort of leave you on the note that it leaves you. And yeah, I think and just sort of the way that it you know, styles its uh, environment and sort of like lures you into certain things and the way that the pacing of like the Mulligan Bo Burnham relationship sort of rope dopes you in. And yeah, I think it's a really well-directed movie. See, I uh, disqualified uh, Promising Young Woman for my stupid reasons, but mm-hmm. I had the exact opposite takeaway. Yeah. I, I like that movie. Uh, it would have been in contention in a couple categories for me, but I think it is far more successful as a screenplay than it is a piece of directing for me. Mm. But mm. potatoes, potatoes. Yeah. Goodbye no. for now. Uh, I just wanted to say that. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give you the blanky choices. In original screenplay, the blankies chose Palm Springs, The Five Bloods, mm-hmm. Minari, Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, and Promising Young Woman. Mm-hmm. And in Adapted, they chose First Cow, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, and Emma, which is a, a very mm. nice uh, screenplay, in my opinion. Yes. Very good piece of yeah. animation. Uh, I should say uh, Defy Bloods is my winner for original yep. screenplay. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Spike Lee has now tapped into this really interesting thing of what if I take a script that's just sort of like on the shelf at a studio and put my shit on top of it? Correct. I like uh, that he's made two movies in a row that kind of have like more sort of like obvious studio genre uh, uh, origins. Yeah. And has then been able to take this really kind of sturdy um, kind of like uh, a populist base and put all of his as a, as a framework for all of his ideas and yeah. thoughts and formal expectations, uh, experimentations. Uh, and I think that's an incredible script. Um, I really do want to plug, I rarely plug my writing, but just check out my interview with Spike Yeah, that's Lee, an incredible interview. Kevin Wilmot and Danny Bilson, not because of what I did, just because the three of them talking was just interesting. That's what I think I was going to say. The, yeah. the process of that script coming into the form we've seen is fascinating. Because yeah. this is the whole thing. I just assumed it was, what, as you said, they dusted off this screenplay that was Danny yeah. Bilson and Paul DeMeo had written that Oliver Stone was going to direct and then just sort of languished. And so I figured that Bilson had nothing to do with the movie. And when Netflix was like, hey, do you want to talk to all of them at the same time? I was like, oh, they're into that. And then it was just this incredibly sweet, especially since one of the writers is dead, thing of Bilson being like, 
Spike, I had never, when you did this, I had never thought about like adding that element in. And it was so cool that you had that idea. And Spike Lee's like, yeah, but you had this in there. You know, like they were all just being very nice to each other about all of their contributions. But it's the argument for like getting outside eyes and fresh eyes and stuff. Like it's like Spike never could have come up with, I I don't think he would have come up with that movie on his own whole stuff he adds to it they never would have gotten to themselves right exactly so it was just very interesting um that movie that sort of the screen the thing about it is like i think the screenplay is kind of insane and a mess but in a good way yeah (laughs) Yeah, i love that movie about it baby Uh, yeah all right okay i want to move us on to lead acting which one do you want to do first Let's do actress first because we did supporting actress first. Uh, that's good. fine. I will give you my 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 lead actors. So we've got here they are. Are you ready? Sydney mm-hmm. Flanagan in Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. Um, Julia Garner in The Assistant. Han Yeri in Minari. Carrie Coon in Donest. Sorry, I can't resist doing that every time. <laughs> and Jesse Buckley, and I'm thinking of ending things. Thanks. Mine, uh, my fifth slot is still up in the air, and we're just going to see where I get to when I uh, get to my uh, fifth name. Um, but the first four real, are... Real Griff style there. Yeah, I'm flying without, a, flying without a net here. Carrie Coon in The Nest. Sorry, David, duh, Nest. Um, duh, Nest. Julia Garner in The Assistant. Francis McDormand in Nomadland, Carrie Mulligan in Promising Young Woman, and I think I'm going to go with Haley Bennett in Sh- in Swallow. I keep trying to say Shallow. It's not Shallow. It's Swallow. Good movie. Um, swallow, just swallow, edging out swallow, uh, Elizabeth Moss in The Invisible Man, who I loved, and I well, that I'll movie. say my five starts with Elizabeth Moss, yeah. The Invisible Man. She's so good. Then I'm going to go to the only performer shared by all three of us, Julia Garner in The Assistant. Very good. Uh, Jesse Buckley, I'm thinking of ending things. Sydney Flanagan, never, rarely, sometimes, always. And Rachel McAdams, Eurovision, motherfuckers. Certainly in my top 10 uh, for that category. Yeah, definitely. Kristen Milioti, also close. Yes. Close, close as well. Yes. Uh, that's a uh, look. No one is more astonished to have liked uh, uh Eurovision that <laughs> much. But one of the many things that film does right is that it is her movie. Yeah, it is uh, so yes. fundamentally her movie. Not only yeah. does she have more screen time, but she is the one who is uh, the propulsive force of the narrative. And she is uh, constantly underrated as a comedic actress, mm-hmm. uh, largely because she is also able to bring depth while doing uh, comedy. I'll also just say this. She is far more convincing lip-syncing her songs in that movie than people who have won Oscars yes. for lip-syncing <laughs> their songs. Who yeah. could you be referring to? How dare you? I can, I'm going to impanel a grand jury. Who knows? But like watching that movie and it's like Will Ferrell is doing his comedy singing for those songs and she is lip syncing some pre-recorded track. I buy it in that. Movie. Yeah. And that's half of the movie. It reminds me of how much I love, especially in the in the Marvel movies, maybe more so even than WandaVision. But the way that Elizabeth Moss does finger acting when she oh, does magic so good shit. at the handshake. That's how I feel like about Rachel McAdams doing yeah. lip syncing in, in yes. Eurovision. It's just like you wouldn't think that that would be such an important skill, but it really is. Um, 
My winner is Carrie Coon in the Nest, one of my favorite movies of the year. And like, again, I'm looking at this. It's like I saw all these movies in theaters except for I'm Thinking of Ending Things, which was my most profound at-home viewing experience Mm -hmm. of the year. I watched the night before I got married. Oh, wow. (laughs) Because I was interviewing Charlie Kaufman like the day after I got married. Wow. And I was like, they gave me the screener that day. And I was like, well, I got to watch this. I queue it up. I'm like, Jesus, <laughs> it's like two hours and 20 minutes long. And then oh I'm like, God. just sitting with it. This is I, anyway. And it it's, really, it's and two it, hours and 20 minutes long. And it's three scenes. <laughs> exactly. And it's about like the mortal terror of being with someone or yeah. being alone. <laughs> right. Um, right. But, uh, but um, oh, wow. I, anyway, I, uh, I do think there is I, that. That's just one where I really know. But the uh, the nest is it, uh, Carrie Coon in the nest is um kind of my performance of the year. Yeah, she's probably my number one too. It's her. It's the carries for me jockeying for number one Coon and Mulligan. But I think Coon takes mine. Uh, uh, and I think my winner is going to be Elizabeth Moss in Invisible Man. She rules in that. She rules in that. She rules in that. It's kind of like it's it's a coin flip between her and Garner, I would say. Mm-hmm. But Garner's Moss, incredible, obviously. Yeah. Moss we is all just such it, it's such a complicated uh performance with all of the weird technical aspects of that movie. And the whole thing really does hinge on her being the person you see everything through. The field of optics. Yes. Mm. A pioneer. Is that the phrase? A pioneer in the field. of. He's a pioneer in the field of optics. Yeah. I really liked that movie when I saw it and I'd like to see it again. That is a that is, as I'm sure was it sure was for you guys, a one of my final pre pandemic watches in a crowded theater. I saw it at home in pandemic, but it's the it's it's the loudest I yelped at a movie during the pandemic was the scene in the restaurant that I don't want to give away in case anybody listening. uh, Yes. uh, It hasn't seen it. It really, I screamed out loud in my room to nobody. It was amazing. Uh, I wish I'd seen that in theaters. I uh, watched it very early in lockdown because it was one of the first things that then went to iTunes early. Yes. And uh, when I made this decision that I was not going to fucking watch all the Oscar movies I hadn't seen, I I gave that uh, guy a a rewatch. And uh, man, uh, am I glad that I did. Uh, because it it certainly felt like I watched it 18 years ago and the refresher really made me appreciate that movie more. The assistant is Garner. Just, we all had her, like that movie is on her. Obviously there's a thermostat performance in there, but like that movie is all in her face. Like, you know, there's just so much that she has to carry every scene where nothing is happening. In her face while she's like reading emails and, you know, like that kind of shit, like to make that as compelling as it is. Right. That's the thing for me is I feel like the the Invisible Man and assistant performances are very similar in that mm-hmm, way. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I worry that I'm giving Moss the edge because she ultimately has to, quote unquote, do more. Right. That it's mm-hmm. the bigger performance, which is not to say that what Garner is doing is any less uh, complicated and skillful and difficult. Yeah. But they're they're just really kind of neck and neck for me. Garner had it until I rewatched Invisible Man last night. Um, yeah, I feel like that's it, right? Is there anyone else you want to talk about? 
in this. I mean, this is a crowded category. I think McDormand is great in Nomadland. I think Christina yeah. Liotti is great. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other big ones. I'll talk about Haley Bennett mm. for a second, just because I think mm. she's really. Mm-hmm. That's she a movie I, think I would like more people to see. It took me a while to get to that one, just because it was just like one of a billion movies that I felt like I heard one or two people talk about at one point. But you get even past the point where you get of just like what the movie is about, which is just like it's called Swallow because she starts to swallow weird household objects that really that was another movie that made me like yelp out loud at one point when uh, she starts swallowing thumbtacks and shit. But like it also becomes this this really kind of like involved in uh, almost like macabre character study in terms of just like what she's going through and what you know, her background is. And she's an actress who I have loved since forever. She was in that Greg Araki movie, um, Kaboom. Uh, Kaboom. Yeah. Like Kaboom. a bajillion years ago. And I'm like, she's a fucking star. And then almost right after that, Jennifer Lawrence happened. And everybody was just like, well, we can't have Haley Bennett because like she looks like too much like Jennifer Lawrence. And it feels like the last few years she's started to sort of like build up more and more and more. And I'm happy about that because I think she's really, really talented. Yes. She is very talented. Swallow is crazy. Swallow oh, yeah. is a, uh, is a really <laughs> great Dennis O'Hare performance at the end of that movie too. Um, all right. Well, I'm moving, I'm moving over to actor guys. Here are my actors. This is a stacked category where every single person is a potential winner for me. And uh, this was the not- category I had the hardest time filling out. Probably because uh, outside of the obvious picks, there are not Mm. many other people. Like, I feel like even when I was Mm. looking at long list contenders, it was like, oh, there were like eight obvious people jockeying for these slots. Yeah. And then very few other people outside of that who were even in the conversation anyway. My nominees are Delroy Lindo and Defy Bloods, Mads Mikkelsen in Another Round, Chadwick Boseman in Ma Rainey, uh, Anthony Hopkins in The Father. And Jude Law in The Nest. Those are my nominees. picks. They're great. Great picks. Mine are uh, Christopher Abbott in Possessor. Mm. Riz Ahmed in Sound of Metal. Delroy Lindo in To Five Bloods. Lakeith Stanfield in Judas and the Black Messiah. And Stephen Yun in Minari. Ooh. My nominees are Delroy Lindo, To Five Bloods. John Magaro, First Cow. Cookie. Jesse Plemons, I'm thinking of ending things. Ben Affleck, The Way Back. And Lucas Hedges, Let Them All Talk. He is Mm. co-lead. He drives the story. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll accept that. I thought you were going to fight me more on that. I, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it's an ensemble. Yeah. Like, so it's one of those sort of like, are they all supporting? You know, yeah, I could see him as a lead. I should watch it again, too. That's he's a in a lot of it. You're kind of right. Movie. Yeah. He's in a lot. And he is kind he's the he's the plot driver. Yeah. Yeah. And he's sort yeah. of the audience surrogate character and is is really the POV character as well for almost all of it. Yes, that is true. Can't yeah. can't. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. It's it's pretty much either him or uh Bergen. You're like always pretty much right. seeing the movie it's about seeing Meryl through Bergen's eyes or through Hedge's eyes and then Hedge has all the Gemma Chan stuff as well yeah. where he is so fucking good with her yeah um, he is he's, he's wonderful. so good with her 
Um, you guys had all of my runners up, basically. You guys, I had Mads and Jude and Chadwick and Magaro. Uh, those are my next four. So, yeah, we are very much I in mean, agreement. I had we had like no overlap, and yet I feel like you probably don't disagree with any of my choices, Joe. Yeah, well, Lindo um, is on all three of ours, right? That's the only yes, one. That's Lindo the only is overlap. Lindo is my winner. Yeah, I just think it, it's I sort mean, of a Titanic it, performance. It, it's yeah. As, yeah, he's my uh, winner as well. I feel like Titanic's the exact word uh, I use when describing it. It's arguably as good as any acting anyone has ever done on camera. Yep. It's it's just astonishing shit. And he's been an actor who who I've loved for so long and I'm sure like it's the same for all of us. He's been like such a great sort of, you know, small parts and even when it's stuff, you know, stuff like Crooklyn where he's been in the lead and whatnot. Just a fucking pro. Just a an pro. accumulation of goodwill yeah. and goodwill and goodwill and this one felt so triumphant for me. Yeah. And so much uh, just like he's just like nailing it in, you know, finally getting this really great showcase. And it really, yeah. really like I don't want to talk about the Oscars too much. It's just like, why didn't this person get nominated? But like it really bums me out that just award season did not happen for him the way I expected it to. And it sucks. No, I I mean like I there is, as David said, that very small group of movies where you got so engrossed by them watching them at home that it felt like as captivating as watching the thing in theaters. And uh, uh, Five Bloods is top of that list for me. And so much of that is I just feel like Lindo's performance is like like it hits you on a molecular level. It is mm-hmm. just so immediately um, uh, grabbing from his first moment on screen. He's doing so many contradictory things at every moment without showing any of the work it all feels so natural and lived in and it's like this fucking like five course meal performance where he gets the big oscar monologue you know he has the tearful breakdowns he's this fucking like tsunami of charisma i just will never understand how that movie didn't linger with the oscars at large and even if that movie is just a little too weird for people and messy for people uh, that that it, it just it, it's one of the most bizarre snubs in a long time for me. Yeah, it no, just feels like that performance good. is undeniable. It's yeah. a crazy snub, and yet I I will admit, like this year's lead acting uh, nominees are are all very strong. Like, They're it, all really good. Like it's yeah. a bad list at all. They they've they've yeah, nominated sure. five very good performances. It's yeah. just tough that um. Lindo is and, fi- and five performances, be. especially I like mean, there's some like Oldman is the one you should kick out. Sure. And I actually yes, like the yeah. performance, but he's the I one who should not be there. Right. Agreed. But like, I'm so, so happy that like it was not a given even six months ago that like Riz Ahmed and St- uh, Stephen no. Young were going to be Oscar nominees. Not, a, and I'm not so at all. Young thrilled especially. That they are. That's a pretty quiet performance. Like, Absolutely. I know Absolutely. he's yeah. having a moment as a person and as an actor, and yeah. that's that's helping. And the movie is cresting at the right time for the Oscars or whatever, but like that is not a movie you watch where you're like, well, that performance is in, you know, Agreed. That, uh, I was really, I really didn't think it was going to happen until it happened. Like I was very much just like bracing, bracing myself for it to not happen. The, the other thing is like, I mean, I think, you know, we're complaining about old men, but Mank got in there because of all the dirt he's got on Hollywood. <laughs> well, well, that's, that's, you know, he, he, he has too much. He knows he's no, has too many phone numbers. He yeah. can call. He, he has too look, many gossip columnists in his pocket. Look, he was in the kitchen wearing his standard, incredibly normal apron, and then he slowly turned to the camera and he said, let me be Mank. Uh, there yeah. are no I, kinds I, I, in art. 
I want to just say that I'm nodding. I, I know that I'm not right. saying anything, but I am nodding. I, I am appreciate nodding it. With, I really you appreciate loved it. every minute of it. I'm Mank. I like. Oh Mank. my god. Yeah. Mank is good. Oh, Mank. He's Mank. He's Mank. He's what do you want from him? What do you want? What do you want? He's Mank. Come on. He's Look, he's I, Mank. I, I'm. I'm not saying I didn't like Mank. <laughs> uh, but then this is the thing it's like Hopkins for me and I said this yeah. to Griffin like I, I would describe the performance as the destruction of Alderaan because Griffin was saying <laughs> I think correctly like are, do people really want to watch that movie it's such a tough hang uh, I like, mean A do people really want to watch that movie B has anyone watched that movie that's like, what I'm saying I, was like, questioning I haven't ago, seen like, it yet I, right, have, it's, I just it's, it's, I, I just will. felt like it literally wasn't getting out there and it's yeah. one of those movies that when I saw it, I was it, it premiered at Sundance last year. I was sitting down being like, oh, this sounds like a fucking drag. And then you watch yeah. it you're like, oh, this is like one of the most exciting pieces of cinema. Like, this is absolutely electrifying. And he is so good. And then he has a scene at the end that you're like, forget it. He's yeah. won. It's <laughs> yeah. over. He has a scene at the end that you're like, I, it is amazing to me that after that was filmed, he wasn't like, you have to burn that film because it's too fucking intense. Like, yeah. Or that the camera didn't just explode. Like, it's right. the most Oscar-y. It's a great piece of acting, but it's also their bread and butter. And he's not going to win because Bozeman is so extraordinary in Ma yeah. Rainey. And then and also, yeah. you know, the tragic narrative there. But yeah. I think also just because Bozeman is kind of incredible. Like, yeah. I think Bozeman might. Who knows? You know, but like, but. But He's so good. Yeah. David, you, I mean, old Oscar, Mr. Gold old himself. Old Oscar, and Mank knows it. People think about him being naked, right? Mm-hmm. He's got yeah, no we got, can see it. It's right behind you. He's, he's got no pants pockets. He's holding yeah. that sword in front of his, his genitals, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. But he's holding something else this year. It's crumpled up, very small, in the What's palm, that? underneath the handle of the sword. And you go, what is this? And you step up closer and you go, Oscar, open your hand. What do you got in there? And you take it out and you unfold it. And it says Vontae Mac, no matter what. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. doesn't matter what fucking Hopkins did. It's going to be Vontae Mac, no I, matter what. I, 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 I yeah. couldn't predict. I was like, is this going to be like a like a cuck joke, like a J.D. Amato style. No. I was really ready for something. No. I'm no, You really no, delivered. Uh, I'm very happy about that. Look, I haven't I haven't seen that movie yet either, but it just by all accounts, it's just like, it's the same thing as fucking Joker, where it's just like, oh, the guy maybe gave his best performance ever, and also he's a beloved person who was taken from yeah. us too soon. Impossible right. to beat, right? Yeah, impossible yeah. to beat. And yet, Hopkins, incredible. Lindo, as we all said, incredible. Mads Mikkelsen, another round is so good and so mad like you know like yeah. it's like it's so full it's such a full spectrum performance of a guy that you often in a hollywood movie only get to see a sliver of and you know this yeah. is true in a lot of the danish movies he makes but it's still true and it's obviously so good that it did resonate with voters because it got that surprise directing nomination yeah my thing with um, the father the faja the father the father the father is the nest I, I, since last March, I've been back in Buffalo living with my parents. It's going on 13 mm. months now. It's been a very, obviously, uh, strange year. Um, and then Wait, this year. 2020? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to advance that notion. Um, normal year. Normal year. But I keep getting confronted <laughs> with these movies that are like, what if your parents died? Where it's just like, and I watched Dick Johnson is dead and it's a very good movie. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, 
it was a lot to get me to watch that movie because I'm just like, I'm not in an emotional space right now to deal with what if your parents died. And yeah, now with the father, I feel like I'm also being asked to be put in that space. That is a classic I'm, example I'm of reticent. a movie. I just cannot imagine when I will feel ready to watch that. Uh, Dick Johnson or, or the father or both? Uh, the father. The father. The father. I, I, I watched uh, Dick Johnson, which I love. Yeah. Uh, but is uh, a tough movie. Uh, but I think playful enough in its ways that I, I could handle it. The yeah. thing about um, the father is it is kind of it, it it it's cinematic in ways you just don't see coming. But um that is yeah, you'll also, get around to it I, eventually. Guess what? I won't see them coming and I also won't see them period because <laughs> I never I cannot foresee a time where I will be emotionally and psychologically. That's when you will know you've healed movie. is when you can uh, watch the yeah. father. Yeah, I look forward to watching it in 2037. I just want to shout out Christopher Abbott in Possessor, which is a movie I saw very recently. Mm-hmm. He's fantastic. He's, he's, he's having that's a movie that like I was sort of prepared for maybe to be like too gross for me, and maybe it was going to be a little bit more than I could handle. But I really uh, loved it. I think it's really uh, you know Brandon Cronenberg. He got it. Um, and Christopher Abbott's an actor who I feel like every year is like showing me more and more and more. And like, he's so good in this. He's the only thing I liked in that Sundance movie. Um, the suicide pact Sundance movie, whose title I am now struggling to think of with Gerard Carmichael. Oh, uh, uh, suicide squad. Yes. Suicide squad. (laughs) He's great. Uh, Gerard Carmichael suicide squad. I did not like that movie, but I thought Chris Abbott was really, really good. And, uh, the, the, the good part of it. Um, but he's, the possessor sort of asks him to play, you know, both bewilderment and also like then the parts where he is sort of like being taken over by this, you know, other personality. It's like classic sort of like actors uh, challenge that, you know, you sort of but I think he plays it in really interesting ways. And uh, I don't know. He's and Riseboro is also great in that movie. She's one of my runners up for actress. But yeah. Look, I mean, yeah. I haven't seen Whiskey Tango Foxtrot where him being in that role itself is a problem. But right. outside of that, he's always good. Yeah, like, always he's good. Always exceptionally good. Yeah. Absolutely. Small role, large role, lead, any type of project. He's 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 quietly one of the best we got right there right yeah. now. Always right exciting to see him in something. Yeah. Uh possessor rules. It is gross, but yeah, good yeah, super gross. But yeah, um, to the point where sometimes I'm watching it, I'm just like, did we like really like we have to see that? Mm-hmm. But yeah, it all yep. works. Ben, mm-hmm. ben told me he thought it was the funniest movie of the year. <laughs> A feel good romp for the whole family. Oh, perfect. Okay, Griff, uh, did you have any other actors you wanted to shout out? Get in your list. No, once again, I mean, look, this this was the category I had to uh, stretch the okay. most. Oh, oh, but of the people I put on, look, I think yeah. I had five good nominees. That's what, that's what I want to say. Despite all your caveats, you have yeah. a very robust yes. like Agreed. set of nominees this year. Like, I guess, Agreed. look, I mean, my qualifications are that I just felt so aware of how incomplete. Because, look, the three of us are lunatics who feel uh, a I compulsion, get a yeah. true compulsion to watch almost everything, right? Mm-hmm. And there are so many things I left off that I felt like I had to offer more qualifiers rather than being like, I'm going to put this person on the same list with this bizarre Griff nomination. But guess what? It ends up sounding not that different than my usual fucking weird exactly. nomination. It's a good group. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 
Um, Here's some. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, like, look, like, uh, you know, Plemons is the least showy of the four. I'm thinking of ending things. He's good, uh, though. Nominees, but he's solid as a rock. He gets a bump from also being really fucking good in Judas, which I like a lot, but did not include for these reasons. Um, and and the, once again, just one of those guys who's become uh, one of the best. Uh, Magaro, super quiet, unshowy work. Probably if I had seen the four other devastating a- best actor front runners, he might have four other devastating out. best actors. <laughs> Sorry. But I do want to circle back to one Mr. Benjamin Affleck, where I feel like that movie was supposed to come out October 2019. They bumped right. it to March. It played in theaters for 10 days before going to iTunes, essentially, right? Yes. yes. And it was so early front lines. Like it was like, oh, that's going out. And Bloodshot is going out. Two of my favorite movies of the year. But I feel like the other things that got put on iTunes early were like Invisible Man, which had already had a decent box office run, right? Like, uh, even though it was cut short. And then you have the bigger things that make a bigger splash a couple months later. The thing was just totally forgotten. I think if that movie had gone straight to HBO Max in October or November, he would have been a serious best actor contender, even in a crowded year. I think if that movie had come out, the previous year in October, he would have been a serious best actor contender. I, I mean, it, it's hard to extricate it from the narrative, but I rewatched it again last night. It was the other movie I rewatched to, to look at. It. And that guy's just so fucking in the zone at every single moment of that movie. I know it's got juice from the blurring between like everything we know about what this guy's been going through and the thing itself. But he is so incredibly good. I realized watching it. Because Affleck's got a lot of weaknesses, right? And a lot of times he overreaches. He takes a role that he should not take and, mm-hmm. and drowns in it, right? He is so good at bullshitting on screen. And by which I mean he's so good at playing people who are bullshitting their way through life. It's the thing that I feel like people have always struggled with with Affleck is it feels like there's a certain insincerity to him at times, you know, that he's sort of like taking shortcuts and cashing out and whatever. Yeah. Uh, and he it, it's it's such a devastating performance the way back. And you look at the combination of the sadness there, the anger there, the quiet poignancy there. I feel like it is the most sort of natural lived in performance he has given for a guy who has, you know, a handful of performances I really love and a far greater number of performances that I think are near catastrophic, catastrophic, catastrophic. Um, Mm. but I will say this, a hella basic thought, but coming from someone who just watched the way back and also had to watch all the fucking Snyder movies last week in preparation for, uh, uh, Z S J L. Uh, can you imagine if he fucking played Batman like that? It'd be better. It'd be better. It'd be better. Like, I'm not saying play Batman as a lush, but also just like, if he was able to conjure the energy he has coaching. That's because that's what that movie wants. And yeah. I think he's fine in those movies. I actually Snyder think he's wants re- him to play like angry, grieving, broken Batman. Yeah, I think that Snyder, the problem with the his performance in those movies is I think Snyder actually does him dirty, even though Snyder obviously Agreed. wants this out of him and yeah. has this whole conception of that character. He then hands him the character arcs of, is mad at Superman and feels bad that he killed Superman over two movies. And I'm like, I need more than just this guy's pissed off about Superman. Like there's a Batman movie here that you didn't make. Anyway, the Snyder cut Uh, obviously will dominate 2021's ballot. That's, that's another story. 
We're not even going to have a blankies next year. We're just going to do two hours waxing Ripsodic about the Snyder Wait, Cut. Joe, who's your winner? Delroy, right? All three of us yeah. picked Delroy? Uh, did we all pick Delroy? That's my question. I think Joe has frozen. But he is frozen in a still image that looks like he is just deep in thought considering his <laughs> options. True. Like his eyes are looking down like he's looking at his list and his lips are just lightly pursed. It and looks it looks like, like he's he's ramping up to drop the hammer, right? He look he looks like um Cheryl Boone Isaacs is about to look back up at the camera and confidently say, Dick poop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ben, how you doing? Oh, Joe's gone. Uh, he'll and be Joe's back. gone. Ben, how you doing? Every year, Ben, I always feel so bad for you on this episode because you mostly, I know you have a heater coming. I know you've got something in the pocket, but you have to listen to us blather. I do want to say, Ben and I went to a drive-in movie last weekend, and Ben Very was jealous. telling me how proud he was that this was the year he felt like he had seen the largest number of Oscar films. That this is hey. the year where I did the least and Ben did the most. Well, and it just because I wanted to be informed, I wanted to see him. But yeah, these episodes, I always prepare myself and every year without fail. It's like the three of you are speaking another language where I'm picking up little words here and there. That makes <laughs> right. sense. But it's like chained together. It just sounds like, yeah, it, it sounds like a completely different language. Um, but I don't know. I, I enjoy. uh Hearing you guys uh, wax poetic on these topics. Very is, is charitable. Judah, is Judas your number one? That's what you said the other night that you think it yeah. might be your favorite. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. It really, it like, I like a period piece and mm -hmm. it was powerful and everybody in it was so good. Which um, is unreal in that movie. He is. Yeah, he's the, absolutely. He's the star for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, I loved uh, Sound of Metal. Unsurprising. Yeah. I have not very watched bad it yet. Movie. Very, yeah, very bad, bad movie. movie. Yep. Yeah. Uh, to five bloods. I just watched last night and that blew so me away. Yeah. It was just like, that's a movie. Like there's what isn't in it's, that movie. It, <laughs> it's just all of it. I mean, that's the thing. I, yeah. Yeah. I also just feel like that's the only movie I've watched at home aside from the levitational thing that David's talked about where, you know, whatever you're just fully uh, energized by it as if you were in a theater. I also think that's the only movie I've watched in the last year that genuinely feels epic to me. Mm. And it's not just the the nature of the story and that it's, it's sort of this throwback to those kinds of adventure movies, you know, Sierra Madre and whatever. But it's also that, it, like the ambition of what it wants us to consider. You know, there is such a depth of thought in that movie. Uh, and just the expansiveness of the characters and everything. Yeah, like in and rewatching it, there's going to be so much more context to yeah. catch because, again, there is just so much going on. I could study um, that movie forever. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, what did I want to say that I thought? Oh, Minari. I mean, what an mm. incredible movie that made me feel stuff. Do you know? Do you know, like feelings? I do, and I do like, know. And wait like a second, you're overwhelmed. A twenty four just issued a new poster. They're not. They're no longer promoting their Oscar nominations. What an amazing movie that made me feel stuff. You know, Ben Hosley, our finest film critic, you couldn't <laughs> yeah, have put I mean, it better. They, got, they finally got number one to weigh in. I mean, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They 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 kicked Justin Chang off the poster. <laughs> through Ron yeah. Hosley. Yeah, um, uh, Joe has returned. I have returned. Okay. Uh, 
Hi, Joe. I do. I'll, I'll say the blanky nominees now uh, for the mm-hmm. lead performances, which are Delroy Lindo in Five Bloods, Riz Ahmed in Sound of Metal, Sidney Flanagan, Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, a wonderful performance. I do want to mm-hmm. shout out. Uh, mm-hmm. Francis McDormand in Nomad Land, Jesse Buckley in I'm Thinking of Ending Things, Carrie Mulligan in Promising Young Woman, Chadwick Boseman in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mads uh, Mickelson in Another Round, Stephen Young in Minari, and another one that would, in a normal year, be a possible winner for me, Hugh Jackman in Bad Education. Like, one of the best performances that actor has ever given, and he has an, a strong body of work. That, like, a movie, again, that I saw 18 months ago now, and I would so like to see ago. again. Yeah. Yes. Um, but it's yeah. a wonderful movie. Uh, let's also say, uh, uh, much respect to that movie. Uh, shout out to Mike Mikowski, uh, Loyal Blanky, screenwriter of the film, friend of the pod. Um, that is a movie where I feel that is that is the movie that I feel the worst for in yes. award season, just because it falls it, through so many cracks. Yes, it, it got totally fucked by the fact that it going straight to HBO would not have been disqualifying if that deal had been made months later. Just yep. a couple months. But right. look, it won Emmys. Obviously, it did fine for itself. But yes, I totally agree with you. It got yeah. stuck in a tween zone, but that's, yes, a very, a very strong film with very strong performances and yeah. a, a lovely screenplay. Yeah. Um, so before we get to director picture, are there some specialty things we want to do? Griffin, is there anything you had in particular queued up? Score, you know, animated film, these sorts of things. Uh, I mean, I, 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 I could think of some specific things. I mean, look, it's like, uh. I'm I'm incomplete in all these categories. Yeah, I, I, know, I, I know, I know. Right. I might think of some some quick things to jump out. I do want to say, uh, you know, it, it always feels like a little bit of a cheat when I uh, double dip in this category. But I mm. I do I think Thulis kind of has to be the putters and murmurs winner for the range of different He's, putters and murmurs he gets to we do. didn't even talk about putters and murmurs yes i've got no, some i've now. got some options i've yeah, got no, some of options. course of course okay. of course i love yeah. thulis thulis is a fantastic one i didn't have him on my list but i should have and let's um, say also a, an actor kind of a a hall of fame putters and murmurs oh, actor yeah. right he's yes. done it he's done it he's done the work we right, know like he's naked there. is like puttering and murmuring on yeah. amphetamines you yeah. know and then yeah. like this it's like that's already his love language is puttering and murmuring. And with this, he gets to like hold on to that not that dial and go like, okay, now yeah. I'm at a one, now I'm at an eleven, I'm back to five. Yep. Like he's running the gamut. Uh who else did you have, Joe? So I have uh Caitlin Scheel from She Dies Tomorrow, mm-hmm. who is a very mm-hmm. sort of unconventional putters and murmurs, but there is there's just the the murmuring in that movie, as uh, especially in the early going, when you don't know what's going on. Great actor. Notch. I look forward to seeing that movie in 2037. Dick Johnson um, in Dick Johnson is Dead. Sure. Oh, you have to shout him out. and murmurer. Oh, fuck. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I would, I would shout out Elizabeth Moss in Shirley, which mm. is oh, very yes. putters and murmurs energy movie in general. One of those movies yep. where you're like, is this house one room wide or 50, you know, million miles wide? You know, like, right. sort of like just moving through messy room after room wrapped yes. in a sheet being weird. Yeah. Uh, what are some other good ones? I've got uh, for mumbles and muffles. I got John David Washington and Tenet. 
Oh, there's yeah. a lot, a lot of muffled oh, uh, dialogue in that film. I ordered this hot sauce an hour ago. Um, <laughs> was there a trial of Chicago Seven? Murmur. I guess it's Rylance. It's sort of Rylance, but he's not—he's not really. I mean, he's—he's he's puttering and murmuring less than he usually does. He's a little yeah. more crisp yeah. in that movie. Peter Capaldi and in David Copperfield. I might, mm. I might give a little. Yeah. To. Um, I have Lucas Hedges others. and let them all talk for stutters and stammers. Just oh, yeah. The... oh yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I know, but we also have to include Adam Sandler and Hubie Halloween if we're going to do that. Sure, I just, I just we, want to say. we have to. Yeah. Yeah. Excuse yeah. me, yeah. the king. Yeah. Um. I. I'm sorry. I'm just seeing one thing here. Best supporting thermos in a landslide. <laughs> it also goes to Hubie Halloween. Good job, Hubie Halloween. Uh, Brian Dennehy in a very nice performance. One of his last performances, Driveways. Uh, very yeah, I need to watch that movie. movie. Yeah. Good movie. Yeah. Good movie. I have uh, Sonia Braga in Baccarat for Glowers and Frowners uh, oh, this boy. year. That Joe, she, I love the work you've done this year. She could power a city on the like face stuff she does in that movie. The yeah, her face is incredible in that film. If you could harness grumpiness. But my, I have an ensemble, my ultimate putters and murmurs is an ensemble choice, which is the mm. entire cast of Bloody Nose Empty Pockets, which is yeah, that, just you know a what? lot of putters and murmurs. Might as well be cast. called putter, you know, putters, yeah. nose. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Whatever. Bloody murmurs putters, pockets. empty murmurs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I feel like for a majority of this year, I've had my outstanding list of things to watch. And a lot of them, I'm like, I should watch that. I need to watch that. Right. Mm. And uh, uh, Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets is one of the movies where I'm like, I want to watch that. And I haven't gotten around to it. You, where you, I actually, you'll, yeah, you'll I'm going to love that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, a lot of good, a lot of good choices here. A lot of good choices here. Um, your... I'm going to give out another special citation. Yeah, Go please. Uh, uh, my award, it's actually, it's, it's kind of a condemnation. Um, uh, a movie that is most offensive, violently offensive, uh, to, uh, uh chronically late people. I'm mm. giving this, mm. uh, non-award to Martin Scorsese's The Irishman. Uh, okay, so you're saying one year after its eligibility, you're mad about how rude that movie is about Stephen. Oh, Graham's so now you're getting lateness. on my fucking face about the fact that I didn't put it in last year? <laughs> what does it matter? Wow. What's the fucking big deal? There was traffic. <laughs> uh, um, very good. Very good. Thank you. I've been uh, holding on to that one for a year. <laughs> you, 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 this, you had some spit on the ball, and I loved it. <laughs> I did. Um, and my animated film this year is Wolfwalkers. Probably sort of become just the du jour choice, but I, that movie is pretty wonderful. I've, have you seen it yet, Griffin? I have not yet. That's also in that top five of movies I just genuinely want to watch and have. Yeah, you'll just to like yet. that. It'll be right. a fucking yeah, yeah, worm yeah. bath. I mean, my answer is Soul, a movie that I think is deeply flawed, but I also love. Uh, yes i i have so many problems with it and i also kind of just love it uh on balance it works for me even though a lot of it sticks in my craw uh but um it's also just it's like uh that and the old guard are the two movies that i felt like kind of grabbed me and were making the arguments i needed to hear for uh, uh the value of life in a year where it feels like life has kind of been taken from us yeah. you know yeah, Soul also agreed. has my favorite voice performance of the I was year, say, yeah, which is uh, Rachel House uh, in Soul. Is Ooh, so I love all good. the Jerry's. 
all the. I mean, yeah, we were squiggles. we were just talking up Rachel House in our Moana episode, which is an incredible mm-hmm. vocal performance, and also. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm very aware now that uh, Jermaine Clement is uh, half Maori. Thank you, everyone, for correcting me. <laughs> but uh, uh, egg on my face. But uh, I just want everyone to know I have been corrected. Um, uh, but I was going to say, I th- I think Fox is actually kind of uh, underrated in that. Uh, He's often especially underrated. Because he is often underrated. And I think... When a movie star that big plays the lead character in an animated film, it does not affect a real voice. People go like, oh, well, you're just like cashing in on the movie right. star energy. But he is a deceptively skillful um, uh, voiceover actor. And, uh, you know, most of that movie's uh, issues come from uh, the handling of that character within what should be his own story. But he's really, really working overtime to sell that shit can i say what my favorite vocal performance is of the year my very uncool choice sure. chris pratt and onward chris pratt and onward like, wow. I mean, that's David, wonderful I gonna, performance i was about to shout out next i agree with you it's a wonderful performance and i think I've, onward's issue is kind of holland i agree i i onward I, is a movie i really like more than i think yeah. the, as i think i might have mentioned on an episode i can't remember but um but yeah i think holland is kind of just flat in it. He's yeah, you know, fine, I guess. He but but I, I kind of have a problem with his performance, but I think Pratt is like really good in a role that was written clearly for Jack Black or something like that, right? You know, like right. yeah. had more and he kind of just puts his own thing on it. He's doing his thing, like his more yeah. his parks and rec kind of thing. But uh he's I think I don't know, I just think it's it's really, really sweet and like Human. It's I agree. not just I agree. Him, and like, funny, doing a week of work. And funny. Yeah. And no, funny. it's also just like Pratt had his like big couple of years and it feels like he sort of like lost the plot a little bit. And weirdly watching that movie, you're like, right, that's why everyone I, you know, got so into the idea of being a movie star. He's also so funny in the Lego movies. I mean, we should you know, he's he's good right? at that shit. Yeah. He's saying. really he good had at that. The like Lego movie yeah. Guardian, same year kind of thing. And the thing that Onward gets right that those two movies got right. And a lot of the other Pratt performances in between have gotten wrong is he is best playing a little boy in a large adult's body. <laughs> right. right? right. Yeah. Yes, that, that uh, is. And you can put it in different genres and modify it in different ways. But the more straight faced you make Pratt as a conventional leading man, the less interesting he becomes rather than as a sort of odd abstraction of a leading man where it's like this is a little boy pretending to be a movie star in his backyard. Right. right. And, and that's um, what his performance in Albert is, and he's great in it. Um, I want to say that the blanky choices for a few categories, smaller categories, I'm just going to shout them out now. For cinematography, they had Nomadland, Tenet, First Cow, Mank, and Lover's mm. Rock. Five great mm-hmm. choices. Um, for music, they had Soul, Tenet, Mank, Minery, and Eurovision Song Contest. Okay. Mm. Uh, and... For ensemble, which do we usually do? Maybe we have. I can't remember. They have Defy Bloods, Minari, Mangrove, One Night in Miami, and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. All good choices. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll just, I just want to call out the, the the Five Bloods thing, too, which is like Five Bloods is a movie that could have had like, you know, multiple best actor supporting actor contenders, you know, yes. like yeah, everyone's uh, good. Uh, Clark Peters and Jonathan Majors and Chadwick Boseman are all yep. like really top tier. And then you have so many other good performances in the movie. But um, 
you know, Spike Lee's intention for that movie was to sort of like bring his all stars in and do it with Denzel and mm-hmm. in the Delroy Lindo part, John David Washington's The Sun, Samuel Jackson, Giancarlo Esposito. And it was like Netflix wanted it soon. He couldn't wait for all those schedules lined up. He ended up just casting like, you know, good actors great who he's fucking with. actors. Right. Yeah. Right. But but a little more in the character actor zone than the big star yes, zone. Yeah. But but to that movie's credit as an ensemble, I really think it's one of the secrets to why that movie works so well is that yeah. you genuinely don't feel like as as Titanic as Delroy Lindo's performance is like any star is too big in terms of what they're bringing past baggage to overpower the movie or make you feel like the the hand is tipped too much as to who's going to survive and in what form. Um, yeah. and, and I just think, yeah, that movie ended up being cast uh, absolutely perfectly. Yeah. It's also nice that, like, Bozeman's the biggest star in it, you know, and that right. he has... That, that's the other thing he's talked about. He would have done, like, Irishman de-aging if they'd given him the budget to do it, but it ends up being so much more poignant. I like have, it better like, the way they do it. I really right, do. The way they do yeah. it's so good. Right, and and it now is only imbued with more power that, that Bozeman has passed. Yeah. Um, let's do our best directors and picture. Let's do it. Okay. Let's well, wrap it up. Speaking of, speaking of Spike Lee, the five bloods. Oh, here Kitty we go. Green, the assistant, mm-hmm. Lee Wannell, invisible man, Kelly Reichert, first cow, Charlie Kaufman. I'm thinking of ending things. Right. Mine are Kelly Reichert, first cow, Sean Durkin for the nest, Christopher Nolan for tenant. Charlie Kaufman from Thinking of Ending Things and Steve McQueen for Lovers Rock. Very good. All right. Mine are Lee Isaac Chung for Minari, Sean Durkin for The Nest, Steve McQueen for Lovers Rock, Kelly Reichert for First Cow, and Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. Now I do wish I had put Christopher Nolan in there, though. I wish I had the guts. I wish I had the guts. Love it. Uh, it was, uh, uh, number six for me. Um, Tenet. Tenet. Mank. Uh, Mank. Tenet. <laughs> Let me be Mank. Uh, <laughs> I think people know where this is going. My winner is, is Spike Lee. Yeah. Uh, right. My winner is Kelly Reichardt. I usually pick my favorite movie of the year for this mm-hmm. category. Mine is Joe. also Kelly Reichardt. Yep. Kelly Reichardt. The cool. boss. Uh, the blankies picked Kelly Reichardt. Uh, Chloe Zhao, Spike Lee, Steve McQueen, and Lee Isaac Chung. With well Chris done. Nolan is the sixth there too. And Good job, oops, I closed that by mistake. Uh, all right. So best picture. All right. So should we each just do our top tens? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That first year we yeah. did the the, the we, we talk about it all the chaos time. pick. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. We were learning. We were we were still figuring it out. We were so young. <laughs> Let me give you, I'll give you the blankies first. So here was their top 10. Number one, First Cow. Number two, Palm Springs. Wow. Number three, Nomadland. Number four to five, Bloods. Uh, number five, I'm thinking of ending things. Six, Minari. Seven, Sound of Metal. Eight, Lover's Rock. Nine, Never Rarely, Sometimes, Always. Ten, Ten, Et. Ten, Et. Ten, Et. Okay, uh, David, would you like to list your top 10 of the year? My 10 uh, at this point, it's always changing, but my 10 right now is First Cow, number one, Lover's Rock, number two. Those two have been pretty locked the whole time. 
uh, I'm thinking of ending things. Number three. The Nest, number four. Tenet, number five. Back Around, number six. Minari, number seven. Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, number eight. Duffy Bloods, number nine. And Mank, number ten. Mank. 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 I was going to leave him out, and then he, and then he uh, you know, took me into his walk-in humidor. He, he had the goods on you, too. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. 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 He's got the goods. Uh, mine Reading are going to go from 10 to 1, if, uh, if you'll permit. That's fine. Of course. My, my number well. 10 is Possessor. My number 9 is Mank. 8, Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets. 7, Nomadland. 6, Promising Young Woman. Uh, what, that's 6. 5 is Baccarau. 4 is Soul. 3 is The Nest. 2, Minari. And my number 1 movie of the year is First Cow. Love that cow. Yes. Cow army rise up. Yeah. Uh, I left soul off my list through my own weird disqualifications, even Mm. though it wasn't a best picture contender, but that would have ranked uh, five or six for me. But here's my 10. The old guard. Is that number 10? Yeah. Uh, I, that movie really fucking hits for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, number nine, let them all talk. Number eight, the way back. I always forget how much I like a Gavin O'Connor movie until I'm watching a Gavin O'Connor movie. And sometimes when I'm not presently watching it, I then immediately start underrating him once again. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he knows to do. what he's doing. And I think he is one of the best chroniclers of masculinity, at least in American cinema, especially on the studio level. Uh, number seven, Tenet. Number six, uh, The Invisible Man. Number five, Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always. Number four, The Assistant. Number three, First Cow. Number two, I'm thinking of ending things. And number one, to five Bloods. That's a good, good ten. List. It's a good I, ten, like, Griffin. I'm, I'm proud of my ten. I just, I <clears> all <throat> these fucking disclaimers at the beginning is I just didn't want people yelling at me being like, but what about Minari? But what about this? What about that? And the answer is, with all these movies, either I didn't fucking watch them or I watched them and I felt like I didn't really connect to them and I don't feel like I can actually hold that against the movie. Just admit, you're making that up because no one's ever yelled at anyone on the internet and you're just afraid (laughs) of Mank and you're just trying to get around Mank, but he's got people everywhere and he knows everybody. I was too afraid afraid to be Mank. I was too afraid to be Mank. I couldn't. Um, I... We'll say, because uh, we've talked about most of these movies, but I will say that Lovers Rock, which obviously doesn't sort of figure into acting mm-hmm. and screenplay nominations as much. Not that the acting and screenplay is bad, um, sure. but it's all sort of part of this beautiful tapestry. That movie is just magnificent. It's beautiful. Like the, it was like the beautiful biggest surprise movie. of the year. I had no idea what to expect going in. It's the one that I am the most, since I've seen Tenet in a theater, it's the one that I am the most like, I got to see that shit yeah. with people someday uh, hopefully the regret that i have for not being able to see that movie with people i mean oh the regret i have for not being able to see any movies yeah, with people yeah i mean i did it's funny like i was looking at my list and the amount of shit that i watched this year that didn't even come within a mile of making any of these categories but that i watched like the day it went up and i was just like oh i definitely prioritized any movie that i would have watched on an airplane right you yeah. know right that makes sense. Where I just Definitely. like I will feel zero depression about the fact that this is how I'm watching this film. 
Yeah. And even just like there was the fucking week recently where like coming to America, SpongeBob three, Tom and Jerry, and there was one other one all came out the same day. And I was just like, oh, this is my biggest movie going weekend since the <laughs> pandemic started. Four movies I will feel no guilt about yeah. watching at home. Yeah. Yep. That's true. Here's the thing about Lovers Rock, and I'm ready to get into it, is what about this thing about whether it's television or movies, you guys? We got to get into it. We got to talk about Mm. it. Oh, I should make it clear. I'm sorry. I'm going to change my list. My number one film of uh, 2020 was season four of the Mary Tyler Moore show. That is definitely my favorite thing I watched last year. It it made the list. Wow. I think of that as 26 individual movies. So, yeah, my number 11 is the real world New Orleans, which is all on YouTube, by the way, (laughs) that I watched very early on in quarantine. So, yeah, Uh, my yes. Also, I'm going to change my list again. My number one is uh, Clips of magicians I watch on YouTube when I can't sleep. That was my favorite movie of 2020. I got into the weirdest shit on YouTube, not to like derail the conversation, but like the weird like three week runs where I watched like professional darts videos on YouTube, which is like a weird, like more of a weird subculture than even you'd think of. It's just like there's so many, so many. I mean, I spent so much time on YouTube this last year, pointedly uh, not engaging with YouTube culture, quote unquote, using uh, YouTube as my personal Paley center. Uh, But uh, I I asked this for both of you guys. Uh, David, I know in particular you're addicted to uh, signing up for streaming services. You've been love talking it. about how you just love, love fucking it. signing up for every oh my single God. Paramount. One. I got so mad that I couldn't <laughs> sign up for Paramount Plus because I was already a CBS I was already signed up for CBS Access. Yep. Same. yep. It just same. converts. It's, Damn it. I know. I know. <laughs> I can't browse their poorly transferred <laughs> library of shitty films. You know what bums me out? I signed up for some fucking six month run of CBS All Access as a channel on Apple TV. Wow. So I gotta wait for that to die out before I can even dive into their shitty user interface. <laughs> but <laughs> so uh, bad. Have it's really you, bad. Have either of you pulled the trigger on YouTube Premium? Because that just feels like, no. on one hand, a bridge too far for me, and on the other hand. I am so goddamn tired of watching Griffin. that fucking Griffin. medication commercial with Martin Sheen Griffin. and Charlie Sheen. I think your mental health would be best improved by a vaccine, which you will get soon. Which is <laughs> That's exciting. the number one you thing will. I need right now. Yes. Uh, the thing with YouTube would... Premium to not get ads on YouTube is like, I've already done this with Hulu yeah. and I can't go back. The thing where like they said, Agreed. like, oh, you can bundle Hulu now with Disney Plus and it's a lot cheaper and whatever, but it's Hulu with ads. Joe, can't do it. I can't go back. Joe, no, I Joe, can't go back now. Joe, no. dig into account you can settings do and you will find that oh. they now give you the option because that's what I do. Here's, but I All just right. want to, Griffin, you have to pay for YouTube premium. It it's, is a I tr- must. It is one of the things that is absolutely breaking my brain the most. It is, I would say, a more essential streaming service than almost anything. (laughs) I don't think I watch nearly as much YouTube as you do. The second I made the switch, I was like, never, ever looking back. I would pay more. If they emailed me tomorrow and they're like, it's 40 bucks a month now, I'd be like, well, right. I got it. What, you <laughs> got me. Look, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I obviously also avoided a lot of the atomic bombs of cinema this last year. But no question, my least favorite movie of 2020 is that fucking Sheen and Sheen medical. Com- I cannot. I don't know what you're stand- talking about. Oh, this is you're the thing. so lucky. You're so oh, lucky. God. There are things I know now that I could never unknow. Oh no. <laughs> um, 
I do love YouTube premium. They know I would say the most obscure service that I pay for is AMC Plus, which is a bundle of AMC, IFC, yeah. Shudder, and Sundance Now. It is yeah. weird how often something I want to watch is in that little uh you yeah. know, catch-all. Yeah, and I've uh, quite it. enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I'm uh, gonna sign up for this fucking shit right now. Um so we're done. Uh, mm, I, would, yeah. I would say um, we did another year. Um, I do think next year will be better, Griffin. I hope God, you agree. Yes, it will. Hope it will. So, yes. um, and it is crazy. It's been the weirdest year ever. I wonder if I will be in a strange situation next year since I have a baby. Like yeah. God knows, am I gonna am I gonna watch fucking you know my usual hundred and fifty movies? Like I don't right. know. I don't know. Uh, like you've been you've been telling uh, we were talking about it off mic uh, somewhere else, but that like uh, you've been watching more stuff now yeah. with the baby because oh, well, you're so much on the couch holding her. Yes, but I'm yeah. not watching a lot of new stuff. I'm mostly watching sure. my Gentle Film Festival, sure. which is David. going great. Your letterbox list of gentle films made me so happy when I found it yesterday. I, uh, um, but, but also uh, like, uh, yeah, a year from now, she's going to be more actively a handful. It will change things. She, she's right now. She's pretty immobile. Uh, so she really just has to do what I say, but, uh, yeah, eventually she's going to need more entertaining. And I don't know if my gentle movies list is going to do it for her. Only because you brought it up. I feel the need to mention, look, I, I certainly understand a certain power in the absence of words, but I really feel like she contributed nothing to this episode. And for how mm. adamant you were about adding an additional mic setup, giving her mm. her own Zoom account, keeping her mm. here for the entire recording, she has not contributed a single goddamn thought. I, I, you joke, and uh, and it's a funny joke, but I do. This is my first recording. This is my first blank check recording, apart from some March Madness, you know, mm-hmm. bits. Uh, with a baby and uh, we're gonna we're about to release like probably what two months worth of episodes Griffin where I am sort of alluding to the fact that something big is brewing in my life <laughs> yeah. um, without saying anything I have an amazing little play on words that <laughs> you evil do. You got a good listeners one. might be able to hear uh, pick up on at some point oh. um, but uh, I am genuinely wondering what I'm going to come out to when I walk out of this room and it is the first time I'm having that experience well I'll come out and well I'll be like what, so what's up and you know Forky might be like, oh, yeah, she slept for like the whole time. And I'll be like, oh, okay. Or I might right. walk Or she out might be like baby in hand being like, <laughs> right. take her. Take her. Right. Right. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. She might She might be the the poster for I don't know how she does it. Yeah. Right. right. But I do want to apologize for her lack of contribution to this episode. But maybe one day she'll she'll weigh in. Next more. year. Next and year she'll uh, she'll have her own list. And we'll she be is very happy the newest it. member of the Blanky family. And she's happy yeah. to be here. I, I just. Uh, David, I hope you don't take this personally, but I just, as it currently stands, I don't think she has incredibly good taste in films. <laughs> <laughs> I will say the movie she has paid most attention to so far was Serendipity on HBO Max, and uh, I think it's a good start. Yeah, you also said start. she she hiccuped throughout the Snyder Cut, which is a she certain did. type of attention, maybe <laughs> yeah, negative. She attention, had a reaction. But... Yeah, <laughs> she yeah, had a reaction. it's it's yeah, it's a reaction. And ultimately, isn't that all Zach is trying to do? He's provoking. He's trying to provoke, and she hiccuped at how uncompromising everything yeah. was. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You you joke about that, David, but it is like uh, the the number one reason I I look forward to getting the vaccine uh, imminently 
is just the ability to fucking go to the theaters again. Like, I do think it yeah. will take a very long time before I can rebound in other aspects of my life. And I imagine I'm going to be someone who continues to go to theaters at off hours and perhaps also buys multiple seats to even insulate myself greater from other people than uh, the the little distancing that they put in. But the idea of being vaccinated and being able to like wear a mask, sit far away from everyone else, not sure. be terrified yep. for my mortal life, and go see fucking like Raya and the Last Dragon at 11 a.m. is just it's I I I, I it's not like I uh, didn't know this, but it it truly uh, this year has erased all doubt of how much my sanity is really kept in check by uh, dumb movies. Griffin, dumb when movies. I'm back in the city, we'll both buy up a whole row of seats. We'll sit at opposite ends. We'll see a movie. It'll be fun. Like, this is another thing I did. I realized I'm going to throw this out as a gift to blank check listeners. They have these rules at the chains where it's like they can only sell to a certain capacity, right? right. Yeah. yeah. So if you buy one seat, then suddenly like the four seats directly around right. that seat are all unavailable. Right. There's whatever advertised amount that it costs to rent out a screen to yourself, right? Where the risk inherent is always like, well, some guy can sneak into your theater or whatever, right? Sure. Uh, which is a reason I have not done it more often. Uh, but there is mathematically, if the screen the film is playing on is small enough, an amount you can spend to buy like eight tickets. Right. If you triangulate your your placement and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I think that's going to be my move once I get vaccinated. We could we could Ocean's Eleven this whole thing. Yeah, we could yeah. We, we could form a yeah. plan. It yeah. ends up being much cheaper. Yeah, sure. Especially if I feel like a lot of these theaters are doing half off matinee for most of the day into the early evening for most of these movies because they so desperately right. just want people back. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. To movies. To movies. So, uh, worked on Ben. Anything you wanted to add? Yeah, yeah I mean, up? I don't know why you'd uh, throw to him like that. He rarely has uh, something chaotic to add at the end of these episodes. I just, yeah, I have some, you know, like original categories I'd like to revisit. Mm. Okay. Oh, okay, cool. Okay. Sure. If that's okay. Yeah. Sure, they'll be uh, yeah. normal. Well, normal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So just, you know, there's the the lead category here. Films that should be remade with babies, animals, puppets, also fruit, and now clowns too. Maybe a robot or two could be cool. Now it's changed. That's a new thing. But actually, how about we add Monster Hunters? Monster so, Hunters. Uh um, for babies, Nomad Land. How about Nomad Babies? That's cute. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. They ride around in little like campers. <laughs> little little um power wheels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'd be adorable. Uh I do want to say just because you've reminded me now, Ben, I apologize for failing you as a friend. The uh, frequency with which Ben texted me that we should rent out that theater in New Jersey again to go see Monster Hunter. <laughs> yeah. I really I feel I feel bad that I, I didn't have the courage to do that. That's okay. That's all right. We'll uh I don't know. We'll we'll have them run it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll demand that they program it for a six month run at the Metrograph. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, animals, I care a lot, would be a lot better because it's a depressing, despicable movie. And then if it was animals, it'd be, I don't know, a little bit more digestible. I bear a lot. <laughs> if it started. I bear a lot. Well, oh. said. well said. Well said. Nice. Very good. Like that. Uh, puppets, I think the 
trial of Chicago 7 wouldn't change really at all if it was just performed by puppeteers, to be completely honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to skip Robot because I couldn't really find anything that's good. Chains also kind of doesn't really work because it's an insane idea, but I'll just say this. <laughs> oh, that's Tenet. the problem? Yeah. Tenet? All right. Mm-hmm. What if the chains were off the chain? Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. They were unlinked. Don't. You saw it in oh, real time. Oh, okay. okay. Oh, right, right, wow. Right, right. All right. Chains kind of run backwards and forwards, too. So you got something there. Yeah, yeah you could work with that. There's that. There's that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Monster Hunters, Hillbilly Elegy. Mm. Have the mo- have the hunters kill those dang monsters <laughs> that you're seeing on screen? This so terrible makeup. Mila Jovovich just like bursts in and starts wailing on Glenn Close. Yeah, exactly. That works. I do kind of want to see Paul W. S. Anderson's <laughs> Hillbilly, Hillbilly Elegy. Yeah, Hillbilly yeah. Hunters. Yeah, <laughs> they're good oh, monsters, man. bad monsters, and neutral, neutral. monsters. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Uh, the Weddies, right? Another category yeah. of mine. Now this year, or the Golden Mops, of course. Right. Um, <laughs> Mank, because the that boy is soaking, right? Mm-hmm. He is. Yep. He's drenched. Yeah. Young, promising. He's pickled. He's he pickled. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, promising young woman. There's all the lake stuff. Mm. Right, so sure, that that sure. there's Serious. like there's some dampness going on. Another sure. round, it's Mads drenched, folks. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, sure. mm-hmm. the Five Bloods because it's very sweaty, like yep. very sweaty movie. Very. Blood Probably is one liquid. of the sweatiest. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I mean the sweatiest of the year, I'd say. Have you seen Let Them All Talk? No. Set on a it's boat, big ass boat. It's not a boat. Whole movies on water. There's just ocean as far as the eye can see. Oh, wow. All right. Well, my last one was Palm Springs because, again, everyone's drunk. That was mm. like kind of the through line for this sure. year. I also, Ben, you you got to check out Weathering With You, the Japanese um, oh, anime yeah, you do. by Makoto Shinkai, where a girl turns into a cloud. It's, ben, yeah. Oh, shit. That ben, sounds cool. it is a movie about what Precipitation. the weather was. <laughs> A girl. Your girlfriend. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh yes. my God. Wait. Yeah. What if you were dating precipitation? It's really but, uh, right. But yeah. only, only huh. the wet weather. Right. That's amazing. But it's like one of those things. Where like, she's perfect. She's so cool. You get along great. One problem. She's a cloud. <laughs> <laughs> one problem. Record scratch. She's uh, made a rain. I feel like uh, that's also in that batch of like the last movies I saw in theaters for the year. Yep. And I was so kind of confounded by it. I like it, but that movie is so perplexing in its ultimate message, which seems to be, I don't know if global ha- warming is going to happen. We should probably just let it happen. Right? That's what I love just about that movie. Back the, and enjoy like, your life. the teens shall inherit the earth. You're all going to drown, bitch. I want to date my yeah. girlfriend, <laughs> um, but uh, spoiler alert. Who are we to try to prevent ourselves <laughs> right. from dying? It's right. sort of the message of the movie. Ben, another wet movie um, you should check out that I think you would really dig yeah. is Underwater, um, mm. which is a film that is set, wait for it, under the water. And nice. has great monsters. setting. It, it, has, and it monsters. has monsters. Yeah. Yes. They're not really being hunted, but they're definitely being dealt yeah. with. Yeah. And one of them's above the title. That's right. 
It's a TJ Miller uh, joke. Uh, folks, is. thank you all for listening. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> ben, did you have anything else? <laughs> really quick us out on that. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I need to let Joe go. All right. Um, no thank yous. This year's The oh, Father, a movie that asks, what if there's a dad? It's like, no thank you. <laughs> the Snyder <laughs> Cut, cut it all out. I'm not wow. interested. I know it doesn't even qualify for this year, but I'm not watching four more hours of fucking superhero movies. You're officially um, giving the Snyder Cut the Uncle Joey Award? Yeah, cut, cut it out. hundred percent, <laughs> yeah. Rather watch the puppet that he performs with on that show than watch oh, that thing. God. I'm thinking of ending me. This movie is bonkers. What the hell is this? Hillbilly <laughs> Elegy seems bad. Didn't see it. Don't need to see it. Not Didn't good. <laughs> the personal history of David Copperfield really a letdown. Thought I was going to learn about The Magician. Totally different movie. <laughs> I tell you, I didn't see that coming, and I feel bad that I didn't see it coming. It was right uh, there. I really should have. Yeah, exactly. The, the secret is sometimes he's so left brain <laughs> that the su- most surprising thing he can do is go for the easy joke. Oh, that's right. good. Anything else, uh, Ben? Was that it? Quickly, honorable mentions. I always like to shout out some scumbummery this year, in particular, Damian Young, who rules. Really stuck out in Trial of of the Chicago 7, and I care a lot. I think he's just like a really cool character actor who I feel like pops up every once in a while. He's notable for being the bus driver on Pete and Pete. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Stu. Uh, best vomit, Mank, of course, hands down. Great vomit. So Great good. Vomit. So good. Third act vomit. Oh, cinematic. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Uh, best possession is of course Possessor that movie is fucking nuts and quickly 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 best band tease Sound of Metal of course and we got Jism Japanese hardcore band they got the German band Eidstrun Zende New Bauten the industrial noise band Arabic version of a Motorhead shirt and Youth of Today and some other stuff anyway that's my original categories and honorable mentions for this sixth annual Blankies I love it. Awards. There's one. Th- we're all done. I forgot to mention Griffin. I, this is a fuck up. The most irresistible movie of the year was irresistible. Sorry. I just had to mention oh, it. Okay, <laughs> Sorry. We couldn't Sorry. resist it. Yeah, we yeah, couldn't exactly. resist it. Um, oh, thank God you got that in there. That would have been rough. Right, uh, right. F- folks, thank you all for listening. Uh, what a crappy year! Uh, to next year, to next year's blankies, a return to uh, normalcy. And by normalcy, I mean the way that things used to suck before this. Right, right. Hey, please, please the, that the, the, the kind of shitty that I was used to. Yeah, yeah. Um, but thank you all for listening, and uh, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks to Marie. Already for running our social media, especially Killing now it. that we're finishing up this absolute gauntlet of March Madness, which um seems to uh, have been a little uh, weird this year. Wait, I have an interview with uh, one of the voters from March Madness. I did not murder him. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Uh, oh, a thing that may or may not have contributed to me being like, fuck it. I just, I'm going to just nominate whatever the fuck I want. I'm not going to watch all these, but I can't deal with anything. I'm done with film culture. Um, 
uh, and I, I hope people are ready to have to go to physical locations to vote in person for March Madness yeah, oh, yeah. next year. Uh, ID. We're 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 going full right, yeah. Mitch McConnell on yeah. full on. Shit. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, thank you to uh, Lee Montgomery, the Great American Novel, for our theme song. Um, and, uh, uh, Alex Barron, AJ McKinn for all the editing help they've been doing in general on the show. Tune in next week for a new leaf. Hey, April will be May. We're turning a new leaf. April will finally be May. Just a nice quick four episode mini series about one of the all time greats. I'm looking forward. Joe, do you get it? I got it. You get the it's, joke. It's, I got it. It's April for May. It's April mm-hmm. for May. But we're we're doing May. Yeah. Right. Um Correct. and uh head over to blankcheck.com slash Patreon uh for blank check special features where we are uh, still still trekking. Still trekking, getting ready for whatever's gonna win that March Madness bracket. Joe, thank you. Thank you guys. You know I love doing this. I love getting up in my awards nerdery with you guys. I feel like we connect on this. I feel like we're, uh, I don't know, kindred spirits. Sympathico. Yeah, I mean, we need to have some longer conversation about the Lakeith thing at some point off mic because I'm just yeah, so we fascinated should, about it, it from an Oscar standpoint. We'll take it to the group text. Uh, and as always, uh, just to clarify, the joke is that the filmmaker's name is Elaine May. Right, oh. right, right, right. And she only has four movies. We do one movie a week on the show, so it's right. well, like uh, and a one month, month worth of episodes. Four, right, right, exactly. Right, right, right. And so we could have done those four movies in May, but instead we picked the month right before May, which right. is April. Right. So April is May. And if you think about it, April April first, April Fools. That's how we're starting. You know, we're starting the month out. Crazy! Like, it's a whole month yeah. of of practical jokes. Yeah, it's a goof. Yeah. Also, listen to my podcast. I'm just gonna say that. Oh, you fuck yeah, Jesus! Listen to Joe listen to my podcast. It would be nice. <laughs> God, how, how are how are we six years in and we still how are we it's fine. listen it's a long day it's a long day this had oscar yeah. buzz go to had underscore oscar underscore buzz on twitter i'm just gonna be shameless about it it's fine and it's, it's shameless follow the link in the episode description to check yeah. it out do it i